Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Christopher Brother Ray Patton are here to break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews and previews over the shows within wrestling. Uh, if you're a new listener, uh, we do this usually right before one of the big events or after. Um, so today we're going over two major events, one being Wrestle Kingdom and the other being uh, AEW's final pay-per-view, which... Both were a lot of fun. We got news, and of course, as always, we have Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, Chris? Coming out of a bad cold, but feeling much better today, man. It's uh, It's been a crazy week in the world of wrestling. Two great pay-per-views we're getting into, and uh, I watched some pretty crazy fucking movies this week. How was your week, bud? My week was good, man. Um you know, light work week coming out of our busy season, coming back from our vacation. So just uh, getting everything in order over at work. I'm moving. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's that's pretty much it. I, I'm trying to recall, and maybe I will, because usually for new listeners, we, we go over first uh, stuff outside of wrestling that we've been watching. Um, but I actually, I, I, I can't remember anything special. I got to be honest with you, Chris. I think I had a dry week. You know, I don't, I don't know what to say. I think I watched too much Office. <laughs> I mean, that happens. Uh, that's like me with when I was on the Beverly Hills 90210 run, and that was all I would talk about <laughs> for a couple of weeks there. Still watching Heartbreak High on my end. Uh, great show. Definitely recommend people go watch the grittier Australian version of 90210. Uh, as we've talked about previous weeks, but I checked out back to back, which may not have been the best way to do this. Wife and I watched Saltburn, and we also watched Bo is Afraid. So what? <laughs> it was like a it was like a fucking fever dream over here watching those two back to back. We got uh, we got grave fucking and penis monsters. That's that's what I got out of oh and Parker Posey's boobs. That was that's my review of those films together. Uh I haven't seen Saltburn. I've heard really good things. I'm definitely gonna check that out. But I actually watched and it's more so because I'm an Ari Aster fan. I saw it when it first came to the theaters and I liked it, but I was like, eventually I'm gonna watch that again. So I did that recently, and I watched Bo's Afraid, and it is definitely I'm, it's like Wizard of Oz meets um, uh, Eraserhead. <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because the first thing I thought after watching it, and well, one besides it being way too fucking long for what it was, because I think that was a little up its own ass, being three and a half hours long. Um, Walking Phoenix is brilliant in it. The movie itself kind of felt like. Hey, I just watched a bunch. I, I watched Gummo and Pink Flamingo, and then a bunch of David Lynch films, and now I'm gonna do something fucking weird. 
that's that's kind of how it felt to me. So if you guys don't know, and if, if you've seen Hereditary Midsummer, I think Bo is afraid it just didn't have as much commercial success, but same director, Ari Aster. And the movie is about a hypochondriac, and basically throughout the whole entire film, some of the stuff at the ending, it doesn't make any sense. Like you said, with the monster. Um, but for the most part, you're basically seeing the perspective of someone that that's meant that that is that mentally uh, unstable when it comes to and like how he views the world. So you're seeing that visual of if he hears something on the news about a naked murderer stabbing people, he's seeing that person somehow constantly or that's what he's fucking creating in his head. So it's a wild ass ride. And then I don't know. It, the third act is a very interesting. I think it. After the Parker Posey scene, Chris, I think it should have ended. That's how I feel about that movie. Yeah, it gets, like I said, it's a little up its own ass with its running time. I think Joaquin Phoenix is great in it, uh, as he is in most things. The the, the biggest takeaway for me, and and maybe this would be a separate thing that we would need to talk about on a separate show, because diving into theories would give, like, way too many spoilers. Um. Yeah, it, it's 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 a weird it's a weird movie because I don't know if I actually like it or if I hate it. I do know that after spending three hours and thirty minutes, I kind of wanted some of my time back, if that makes <laughs> sense. I, um, but there's some interesting things there. I think it, you know it's it's kind of tackling mental health, like uh, issues with your mother. It, it 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 like I said, it's it's kind of a fever dream. In a lot of sense. And then there's just weird shit that, like I said, kind of gave like a like a, a Harmony Kareen type vibe to it. Um, I know it kind of bombed at the box. It would have made like 11 million at the box office on a 30 million dollar budget. So that's not great. But it seems like it's one of those movies that's going to make all of its money back because it's so wild as more people talk about it. And especially with Joaquin being nominated for a golden globe as best actor. It's one of those ones that I think will make back its money streaming and uh, oh, yeah. through DVD sales or whatever, but yeah, it's nuts. One big news topic uh, related to media is blockbuster is no longer selling any physical media in their stores and they have started taking down all of their displays. So I don't know what that means, but it means that like uh, kind of the, or Best Buy, sorry, I don't know if it's that blockbuster, but Best Buy is getting away from all physical media, which kind of means what the hell is even a Best Buy at this point? <laughs> what, what does Best Buy sell? Well, me, it's funny. Me and my brother were talking about it, and my opinion um, it's kind of like the same premise as Best Buy. We were talking about malls, and like eventually, you know, what the hell they're going to do with them. And I said, I feel like malls are going to be basically for people that want to do the old way. You can go to an Amazon store and pick up your bullshit there. You can go to all these different type of branches of companies that do their stuff online, I guess, to have that. Like maybe eventually, and this makes no sense, but I could see it happening because people love nostalgia. Eventually, you're talking about Blockbuster. I feel like Netflix will be like, fuck it, let's put a store out and see if people actually go and get the goddamn things in-house again for the nostalgia purpose. Because as humans, we love nostalgia. You know, we love to shove down our throat. So, yeah. 
I mean, it's it's really weird when you think about Best Buy because that's the one thing they offer that a lot of other places don't offer. And this kind of makes Target and Walmart the last true brick and mortar walk in and you can buy a physical copy of some sort of media. Um, but physical media has picked up over the past couple of years as people have gotten really into collecting. So it's, 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 it was a weird move by Best Buy and kind of like a, maybe a death of an error if you're a Blu-ray collector and that's where you kind of go to get your, your new releases or whatever. But yeah, just it, interesting. And uh, like with the mall concept of what you're talking about, um, being in the tech world on my end, I've been to user conferences where there are full Amazon stores and they're usually meant for like, um, college campuses and stuff, but basically like you just tap your phone and it's, it links your Amazon prime account and you go in and as you pick stuff up, it's kind of like a hotel mini bar where it knows what you've taken out. And it's usually like convenience stores. They have like drinks and snacks and whatever. And you kind of just scan them on the way out and it charges it to your prime account and there's no attendance. Um, but they're locked. They're like gated doors, kind of like uh, the Star Trek Enterprise, but not uh, slide up and down, but slide to the sides, kind of like an elevator. It's we- it's weird, but th- that is kind of where we're living. It's just uh, kind of the end of an era as we were talking about films. I thought I'd bring it up because I, I saw some very sad photos of Best Buy employees tearing down old Blu-ray and DVD displays. Just being like, yep, nope, these aren't going to be here anymore. And uh, for those out there wondering, no, there there aren't any cool sales that are happening because I was like, oh, if they're getting rid of all their physical media, I don't know if they're just going to continue to sell that stuff online. But as far as the storefront stuff, I was hoping they would, you know, 50 percent off certain Blu-rays and stuff. You can go pick up some Criterion collection type deals. But no, unfortunately, that is not the case. That seems like it's all going to get warehouse. Just the uh, man makes you feel really fucking old. I know that. Yeah, as we get older and things start changing, Chris, you know, we've seen the downfall of shoot, uh, like you mentioned, Blockbuster. Uh, not only that, but like Circuit City, um, Suncoast Video. Which, if you're a wrestling fan, you're me and Chris's age. That's where you went to buy VHSs or DVDs of like stuff going on in Japan and shit. Uh, Media Play, you know, went down a long time ago. Like all these. Very successful shops that were fun to go to. Sam Goody, another example, to have different thing between music and movies and and the different forms of media now literally is just becoming digital. And uh, we'll have to get used to it. But like I said, Chris, don't worry. Don't fret. They're going to bring that shit back in like fucking 15 years or a little bit older and they'll have stores that we can go and pretend and shit. You know, so look forward to that. Yeah, they're. They are going to have to because there is an oversaturation on streaming services in general. And as we've talked about in the past, when you buy something and it's a streaming something, you don't really own it. You own the streaming rights until it leaves that service. So eventually, things that I have bought straight out on Amazon uh, may not necessarily be there because you technically, if you read all of those rights and everything that goes into that, that could just go bye-bye, which in that case, I'm just going to re-download it and not feel bad about it. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of weird where we, where we're at in the world with streaming and cable TV rights. And uh, 
the fact that physical media has had a resurgence because I think there are people just afraid of like, uh, maybe I won't be able to watch Evil Dead 2 anymore <laughs> if I don't cop a copy now. But yeah, dude, it, it's, uh, it's kind of nuts. To go along with that, I wouldn't doubt if the major streaming platforms and the major movie companies themselves end up buying. And we see like kind of like the death of maybe AMC and Regal getting replaced by streaming services and shit like that to have their own theaters. So Netflix would have one and Disney would have theirs. And I mean, it's just it's crazy what's probably going to happen in the next 10 years. even. Yeah, it's almost like all of the streaming services are going to fold and then become a cable service again because they've all positioned themselves against one another and have mass spent money to create things for their streaming platforms to the point where they're all in debt (laughs) you know like it's it's i mean that's the whole thing is like you can buy a channel we'll put it out to our cable subscribers and then so it's going to be interesting of what happens there um it's it's fun to talk about for sure but yeah those were the the two major films that i watched the rest of it was kind of just a I finished South Park and then just kind of started rewatching it because I fell asleep during some episodes. Pretty much nothing else. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching stuff this week because, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't feeling too hot. So just tons of normal ass TV. Were you too hot to handle and too cold, brother? Uh, yeah, brother. <laughs> I wish I could do a good leaping Lanny impersonation. I'm leaping Lanny Papo. I have a weird voice. Now that that was my that was my first attempt, so no one get mad at me. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, like anyways, it's, it's like a it's like a weird JFK Lanny Papo you had going I'm, on. Here. I'm Lanny Papo. Yo's. Um. Anyways, I guess. Uh, have you been watching any wrestling lately? I have. I think I am completely caught up on everything. For once, as we do, as we do this show, the only the only thing that I um some of some of Wrestle Kingdom, as we talked about before the show, I, I had to skim through just because there's just so much shit uh, out there in the wrestling world. A little disappointed on Impact's uh, show last night, as it was just a highlight show with Eric Young. But outside of that, yeah, full, fully caught up. Two two good pay per views. Yes. this week to talk about. Yes, we got two big ones, but before we get into that, let's do a little bit of news. Um, kind of knock out, uh, I would say some some news items that some of them involve Monday Night Raw, so that will be the results, if you will, because there's a guy that came named Ginger Mahal that changed up the whole entire attitude and 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 and, and made a frenzy when he showed up at Raw. Um, but before we get to that one specifically. So, man, it's already happening. We, 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 me and you, and also on the show, have been talking about the biggest free agent year, 2024. It's not just MJF, but so many different talents, especially at the beginning, their contract is up. I'm going to go over some of them and just, you know, ask your opinion, Chris, because this is already, you know, stuff. Certain people like Matt Riddle and Alexander Hammerstone, I don't know if they're exactly in a company, but. We're seeing people like Alexander Hammerstone, for instance, like I said, hard to kill TNA going against Josh Alexander. That's going to be an awesome uh, match. Matt Riddle uh, in MLW, he has a match 
with Jacob Fatu and MLW and Evolve were the two companies that Matt worked for previously before WWE and NXT. Um, Deanna Perrazzo makes her, you know, in Jersey, shows up, gets a huge pop in AEW. Very excited for her to be there. We know Mercedes Monet still, it's like they're fighting. There's like literally a bidding war for her. And, you know, we knew that WWE wanted her, but now AEW, I don't know. It's all over the place. But Dolph Ziggler, you know, or the, the former Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth, Ryan Nemeth, they were at Wrestle Kingdom. We'll talk specifically about that when we get there uh, in the review. And there's just shifts already happening. Camille, you know, is is being t- is talked to uh, with NXT, which would be a great landing spot for the NWA champion. Um, it's making things very, very interesting. And I, I'm, I'm probably forgetting some. That's how much it's been. We've all seen videos, promo videos produced by Mustafa or Mustafa Ali. And also, um, I forgot what he's calling himself now, but, uh, crap. Why can't I remember his name? The, the drifter, um, uh, Judas, I think is his new nickname. I don't remember exactly, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's happening, dude. There's been some shifts and it's making things very interesting. And like I said about Matt Riddle, he's also going to be involved with new Japan. Uh, he's going against Zack Sabre jr. Um, and Tanahashi, I think he called out as well. The president, uh, just a lot of stuff happening right now with these free agents changing it up. And we still have no idea where MJF lies. Yeah, MJF is kind of the the big question mark because I think that is the biggest fish out there in the pond, so to speak. Uh, what what does that actually mean? I'm assuming that Tony Khan is going to break the bank and pay the guy whatever he needs to be paid to stay. As I think he is the biggest performer in AEW. Um, yeah, it's 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 Tony's insane. Waiting. Chris, real quick to, to me, I think Tony's just waiting for. The rumble to be over with because if anything were to happen, MJF would show up there and then he's going to reveal MJF back, is what I'm assuming. Because I don't think he's signed anywhere else. Well, it's one of those weird spots where the rumble is already loaded, right? This year, especially if The Rock is coming back to do something at WrestleMania, you got Punk on the rumble, you got uh, the storyline of uh, Cody Rhodes, they don't nec- WWE doesn't necessarily have to pull the trigger to have MJ- MJF by the rumble. Uh, so that if Tony Khan's waiting for that, like they could hold MJF up like out until like money in the bank and put him in the money in the bank match or something, as opposed to the rumble this year, just because mania is going to be so stacked. The rumble is going to be so stacked um, and they're not going to have MJF win the rumble. Simply because of the, like I said, the other names that they've already got kind of involved there. Uh, so, in, in my yeah. opinion, though, I don't see them sitting on MJF even if WrestleMania is loaded. That's the biggest, you know, punch in the rib to AEW that WWE could do to, to now display MJF and have them involved with Mania when he was just the world champion for over a year within the last company. And I know Hunter's different, but he's still petty as shit. So. That's the literally biggest guy from the other company that that was produced mainly by them. Yeah, and I mean, I like, I guess if oh, let me go through the rest of the free agents, and then we can talk about what you would do with MJF. I guess if he does show up at Rumble, 
Because I don't know just sure, throwing sure, him in sure. the Rumble match. Much, much, throwing him in the Rumble match is not necessarily what I would do with MJF if, if, if I was going to have him show up at Rumble. Um, so, lots of big free agents. You, you already named some. Deanna going to uh, AEW, I think, is incredible. It'll be great for her to be back on a, a larger stage. You could hear in her promo... It's the one knock against her, really, is in that promo, she was just so emotional to be in front of that big of a crowd. And you could kind of tell, it's like, man, I don't I don't know that she's ever wrestled, maybe in AAA or uh, in Mexico, that big of a crowd in front of her hometown. So you could t- tell there was emotion there in her voice. And I actually kind of liked that. It made her feel like more of a person. So that was a great signing for them. Um, I like the refocus on the women's division for AEW right now. I think they did miss out on a big get. I didn't know uh, Julia was out there from stardom signing contracts with with WWE at the same time. I probably would have broke the bank on that a little bit if I was Tony Khan because I think that she's uh, fucking phenomenal. If you if you can't get Carrie, you can't get Oscar. Uh, Julia is a good like follow up to that if you're looking for a Japanese talent and uh, Tony kind of missed the boat on that. You've got Matt Riddle out here showing up, uh, like you said, in New Japan. I think that's very interesting. Hopefully he can stay out of trouble. Uh, They do not take very kindly to drugs in Japan. You can ask Paul McCartney with his, uh, his weed (laughs) almost conviction there. Um. That'll be great. Him and him and Zack Saber, him and Will Ospreay, him and Tanahashi. I'm assuming they're going to have him versus Tanahashi for that title, uh, which will, I, like you said, we can we can dig into that a bit more later. Um, some other names that are out there still. God, I'm trying to jog my and now now they're all running together because there's so many. Um, Alexander Hammerstone going against Josh Alexander. That should be an absolute fucking banger of a match. If Impact doesn't have Hammerstone signed, it is a good. Hey, look, this is how great I am because Josh Alexander is going to give him one hell of a fucking match, and that'll be a really good match for him. And then he can go sign wherever. Uh, WWE's loaded completely loaded talent wise right now especially in their women's division so i i think they're kind of tapped out going after camille i think is really cool especially you know funneling some people back into nxt because i see tiffany stratton probably moving up this year um it's great man this is it, it actually feels for the first time in a long time there is a free agency in wrestling uh, like there is in, in other sports. It's something else. If you're a huge mark like I am or you you are or, or just love talking about wrestling, this is the first time in a long time where you can look around and go, holy shit, these people could end up everywhere. And there's viable companies. And Impact's about to have this huge relaunch uh, on the 13th for their pay-per-view. And what's that going to look like? It, it, it's fun to be a wrestling fan right now to talk about wrestling and, and where these people might land where WWE kind of ran the gamut for so long. Um, and AEW locked up, they did the five-year deals and WWE did the five-year deals. We're starting to see some of that stuff play out a little more. Yeah. And that is the good thing about competition is that you can see stuff like this. And, um, just seeing different people prosper with different companies add different elements to that, you know, that, that, that company itself. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward. We still have some big names uh, this whole year, you know, and I think some of them are obvious. Like we talked with MJF. I think he's staying in the AEW. I think Seth is going to stay, obviously. But I don't know what's going to happen with AJ Styles. 
Josh Alexander, you would think that he's going to stay in TNA, but I don't know what's going to happen once his contract runs out. So there's just a lot of mystery, but like it's good because people are going to shift different places, just like all those wrestlers that unfortunately got let go last year from WWE, and they're going to show up and just make the rosters better, deeper, and show us different things because they have like a different shuffle and people as a part of that said roster, whether it be Impact, WWE, New Japan, um, NXT, Ring of Honor, WWE, uh, MLW, you know, NWA, so many different options. So just good stuff, like you said. Like we say a lot, we bitch when we bitch, but it's a good damn, it's a damn good time to be a wrestling fan, I think. It, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a great time if you're a WWE fan, because WWE's in an absolute boom period, which we haven't seen in, in years and years. So uh, great time if you're a WWE fan. And and I know everyone, like I know me and you are pretty much on the same page of it, it wouldn't make any sense for MJF to, to leave. But at the same time, this is a very w, different WWE. It's owned by TKO. Triple H is in charge. Cody is there, who is one of MJF's good friends. I'm not gonna go on. A, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's an impossibility. I think really it's gonna come down to that bank bag on that one. I, I mean, I know MJF is young, but you can also be young and be very successful in WWE. And 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 if Cody is getting the title, that is a natural built storyline where you'll be one of the main players there. So that that's kind of where I'm at with MJF. Um, trying to think if there's anyone else I I missed. Is there any other big names? Tamatonga? Did we talk about him? Isn't no. Kenny <laughs> wins a wins a title at Wrestle Kingdom, and then <laughs> it's like I'm out. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, hey, do you think that Tamatonga is going to be involved in the Bloodline storyline or something? Because, I mean, he's known Roman since they were kids. I mean, they've all, their family, even though, like, you know, Ming and Snuka weren't a part of the Analoi family, but all those people grew up together. So I'm wondering, you know, we've seen pictures of Tamatanga hanging out with the Usos and Roman and his brother and Hikaleo. Do you think they're going to try to put him in that or separate everything, start him in NXT, build him from there like they like to do a lot of times? I think they could do uh, a combination of both, right? Because they did that with Solo if they wanted him to go to NXT first. But, uh, man, if you can keep The Rock around after Mania, you could almost set up a whole Samoan versus Samoan Survivor Series <laughs> at this point with the contracts that are up. Because if Tamatonga's gone, I would assume uh, is going to be gone as well. Um. Man, I don't Leo. know. Right around Leo, the corner, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff you could do with that, and uh, I don't know. Is Tamatonga someone that would get promised to push by AEW? I guess would be the uh, the thing. That's the one thing he never got really in New Japan is a uh, any sort of push towards the heavyweight title. But I, I think that he's a great promo and could be that guy uh where if he comes into wwe he will be i mean i would assume they, they'll put him in a tag team right 
and make him part of the bloodline or what whatever the bloodline is going to look like after wrestlemania that's the key is what what is the bloodline going to look like with the rock coming in um which yeah i it's it's interesting stuff then again tamatanga could just resign and stay in japan they they have done that in the past juice robinson did that a couple years back where uh, he won a title and talked about leaving Japan, and they ended up re-signing him, and he stayed. So, obviously, this was a couple of years ago because Juice is no longer in New Japan. But that is the thing that's happened. I mean, he went on like Wrestling Observer Live and a bunch of had a bunch of interviews where he talked about leaving the company. So they do tease that out there a little bit. But uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. It's crazy to have to be a wrestling fan. And it's also exciting if you watch if you watch all of it, like you and I do, or try to watch as much as we can, seeing these guys go to different places and what they're going to look like and, and what their potential could be somewhere else is always fun. I mean, uh, for those out there listening, we have done episodes where we talked about underutilized wrestlers and what you would do with them and what company you would potentially move them to and, and potential storylines. There is a show out there. Or Dane and I do that for like two hours. So go check that out. And some of these are coming to fruition. It seems like yeah. Diana was one of them for sure. No, it's it's crazy, and it's about to get crazier. We're about to talk about some stuff where it's like, holy shit. Um, we'll save the pay per views for last, obviously. But I mean, something happened on Raw. We should probably talk about. Do you agree? Um, Do you smell yeah, what I'm the cooking? fucking yeah, the modern day Maharaj, the modern the day former Maharaj. <laughs> the former yeah. champion showed up. He hey, showed all I gotta say is, even though it's funny for me and you, and I've seen him like out of character, dude, just like a Canadian guy, like he's obviously putting on an accent. I gotta give Jinder this man, really good fucking heel work. Saying, having them boo him saying a certain thing, Punjabi, and then him saying, you just booed the national anthem. Like, that was that was uh, some pretty damn good heel work. I was kind of worried about him for a little while until The Rock came out. I thought uh, that audience, because they were in San Diego, and, and, and I believe San Diego is a very uh, big uh, military, um, like, area. So, man, big ups on gender for doing that, because you could hear like you know a fart from one individual when he first came out and everyone was like ah and then i got really silent and i thought he did a great job but yeah here comes the fucking rock <laughs> it was some great storytelling because that's like the least entertaining comeback ever it's like it's gender mahal <laughs> Not, nothing against gender mahal but if you remember how he was being booked before he was like just completely gone from TV. Like I could understand why all the air left that room, but it was a perfect setup for the rock. You really knock down the expectation and then his music hits and you get the big, uh, the big rock return, uh, which is great. And Jinder Mahal took one hell of a rock bottom. So he does that. The one thing I will, I will say about the rock. This is going to sound weird. Being a pro wrestling fan, watching the Attitude Era live, we've gotten to know The Rock. They're, they're, the Rock that we watched on television, you know, he was a completely different person than we who we know The Rock is. So now it's a different version. He's still trying to get back to that. But it's like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to take him seriously, I guess I, I, I should say, Chris, 
because of the fact that like he's not he's a really nice guy. He's not like this tough, you know, shit talking dude like he kind of was, and he still tries to go there. Sometimes it comes off a little corny, you know, the whole audience going back and forth, but I can't say shit. They were eating it up. And we're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk more about the, the possibilities, what, what The Rock's going to have within WWE. But people bitching about it, I just don't think... I understand to get emotional because we all love Cody and whatnot. And we'll get to the reasoning behind that. But let shit play out. Like, Hunter's done a really good job so far. This is not where Vince was in control. I'm not as worried as I used to be. And stuff keeps on working out. And it's the fucking Rock. I'm sorry. It doesn't even matter if Dwayne kind of currently has taken a little dip. He's still one of the big, he's, he can go to anywhere on the planet and, and Eskimos are going to know who the fuck he is. So to not utilize him in any way, even if he ends up in a, a main event at Mania, you know, is stupid. It's, it's not smart business and they are owned now by a company that wants to do big business. This is not just the WWE. So like I said, let it play out. But what do you think about this opening with The Rock? With Jinder Mahal, um, you know, what were your what were your thoughts? We'll find out what he said after you, you talk. We'll, we'll talk about his closing statement. It was a fun, uh, you know, fun opening spot. Like I said, I think they, you know, took away the air from the room with Jinder Mahal being the returning champion, right? And uh, giving them the rock right after, I think, was a was a cool moment. Uh, as a wrestling fan that grew up watching The Rock, this version of The Rock is corny as fuck, but he was when he came back to fight John Cena as well. So it's, you know, the last version of The Rock I actually enjoyed in wrestling was when he came back as Hollywood Rock versus Hulk Hogan. Um, obviously you can't yep. do that with the way the storyline that they're trying to play out, but it, it's The Rock. It's a huge name. If you're not as old as me and you are... <laughs> And didn't watch all that shit. You're probably just excited that The Rock's there. Uh, so, you know, as far as WWE getting it done, um, I kind of wonder if it plays into what happened with uh, Becky just getting absolutely dominated by Nia. Is this, is this in The Rock's contract? I'm still not convinced that's not a thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's cool to see The Rock back. I think that there's some multiple ways to handle his return at mania. And most of them have been my predictions since over the summer of what you would do. If the rock came back, he actually going back to last year. Cause I think they could have done the same thing at last WrestleMania. And obviously there was uh, some issues getting the rock booked there, but I, I think it's going to end up being the same. So we, we can get into that a little later, but uh, yeah. How did you feel about the rocks rocks triumphant return? I think that what – what did he sing? It was either – I think he was saying the national anthem and kind of just made it like rhyme and stuff, which is something The Rock would do. But I think the best part, obviously, was the ending. And, yeah, when he came out, I got excited. The whole friggin' world did. That's just how it is. He's The Rock. He's, it's not just wrestling. You know, it, it's entertainment. It's, it's, he's a fucking – he's the biggest movie star. You know, it's it's like you took the best of Arnold and Will Smith and put him in one motherfucker and, you know, he's just a positive person. So people usually flock to him, uh, which kind of hinders his character. You know, we've talked about that. You just mentioned it as well. Uh, but when it comes down to it, when he gets to that ending, that's the rock that I remember. And I love how he kind of just set it up 
And, you know, it's it's the big thing. He goes, you know, after this, I'm going to have to get some food, um, you know, but I don't know exactly where I want to sit at the restaurant. Should I sit in the booth? Should I sit in the patio? You know, The Rock likes sitting at the bar. Or should I sit at the head of the table? Drop mic, huge reaction for the audience. Music hits. He leaves. Okay, Chris. So, so didn't you feel like the ending of that was a Stone Cold promo? Actually, like, if you if you put what in there, like out of all the times the fans don't chant what, that would have been the perfect time. Should I sit at? Should I sit at a booth? What? <laughs> should Should I sit at the bar? <laughs> a table? What? what i mean it it was a good promo and it it definitely set up uh set up what happened on smackdown which i also think roman's response in general of not giving a fuck both on twitter and smackdown was great (laughs) i love roman what did he just like have like a laughy face where he was crying uh, like one of those emojis just up and all he said on smackdown when the, he was asked, is he he was like he just started laughing. I think they asked if he thought that The Rock was a threat. It was Kayla, and as soon as he got there, he just started laughing. And you know, and he had three competitors, and we'll talk more about that separately because that's the other big part, obviously, from SmackDown. But you know, it's uh, it's it's weird. It's uh, I don't know. I love Roman Reigns. What do you think is going to happen, though, with this? Uh, I have my thoughts. You've kind of gone through, if The Rock was involved, what you'd do. Um, I I think I have a little bit of a different method, but what, what the fuck do you think they're going to do, inevitably, with this? So, I mean, after... I So, I don't have The Rock at Rumble. Um, I have The Rock after Rumble, kind of in the Undertaker spot of showing up and just causing mass shit with the uh the tribal chief leading up to the tribal chief i have cody winning rumble i have cody versus roman at mania night one i have cody being saved by both gold dust now that he's a free agent gold dust and the rock fending off the rest of the bloodline so cody can finally get that title win that's been promised and i think fans will lose their mind if he doesn't and then that sets up roman versus rock night two um, similar to, you know, Stone Cold versus Kevin Owens night two, something similar to what they did there. Uh, I think that's the way I would go with it. And then you can have Roman beat the rock and, uh, move on from there. And you also have the title off Roman, uh, which is fine because Roman's probably going to go away for a little bit after that. Or you could just have the rock beat Roman. That's something you could do as well, because I don't, you know, Roman's hasn't been pinned in a singles match in like a thousand two hundred some days. So it's not the worst thing in the world that he loses twice in a row. And he can come back different. That's the, uh, that's the other thing, but um, that there's a lot of moving pieces there. And, and maybe I, that's the route that I thought they were going to go last year. They didn't go that route. Cause obviously they couldn't get the rocks. So we, we will see, but I'm curious to hear what you would do. Now, and I've told you uh, many times, whether you position it where it's Cody and him on night one, night two, or The Rock and him, whatever, doesn't really matter to me as much. But I like the way that you have everything laid out. I Now, 
it's it's more of the information I've heard that what I would have, I would have The Rock show up in the Royal Rumble. I would actually have the last three people. I told you this. You have the audience completely split if it's CM Punk, Cody, and The Rock, the last three people in there. And then, obviously, I would have Cody win. I would have him win at the Rumble. That said, uh, maybe Solo Sokoa or someone else can help get The Rock eliminated. Maybe Roman comes out, and you think maybe he's going for Cody, but no, he's just there to fuck over The Rock. Apparently, Australia, and they're the ones who are hosting Elimination Chamber in a stadium, a big stadium. Obviously, WrestleMania is the biggest. But what I'm saying is they requested The Rock, apparently, which I think me and you might have talked about. But it was such like a, okay, yeah, Australia, like that's going to fucking happen type of reaction to it. But people were also talking about the location of Samoa. And how there is a big Polynesian, uh, you know, uh, a lot of Polynesian people and a population within Australia. So maybe you go, all right, Rock, we got these three three big events that we want you to have with Roman. You're going to go against him um, in Australia at Elimination Chamber. We'll follow it up at SummerSlam um, with you beating him. And then at the next WrestleMania, if, if everything's healthy, everything's good. We'll finally do you and him for the third rubber match without any title involved. Something like that to that extent. And you can still involve him um, in WrestleMania. You can still do a fucking match with The Rock. If The Rock wants to do a match at Mania, go against Solo Sokoa. You know, but I think if the if Roman now beats LA Knight technically, if, if this next match, if he takes out AJ, that's twice. LA Knight, that's twice. Randy, that's once. And now he's done. And he takes out the fucking Rock and Cody beats him at Mania with the help probably, like you said, maybe of Dustin, maybe of of, of The Rock, maybe of all the people that have been fucked over from him. L.A. Knight comes out and helps him. You could even have fucking Afa come out and punch Paul Heyman in the face at Re- Re- WrestleMania. Like, make it about The Rock fucking him over, and then that leads to SummerSlam when, when Roman comes back or something. I think that Rock will play ball. It's all about what we talk about his availability with his body, because if he gets hurt, that hinders movies in the future. But he seems to be at a different stage in his career where he's taking stuff and doing a lot more business in between. So I don't know if there's more availability, if he'd be able to commit to three different matches. But maybe it's kind of like, hopefully we can do this here at SummerSlam or maybe Saudi Arabia based on your schedule. And then we'll have the, the last one at WrestleMania next year. So, um I'm, I, I, what I'm basically saying, and I think you're also saying, I, I, I wouldn't worry about fucking Cody in this situation. I think everything's going to go according to plan, and I don't think they would be telling Cody still to bring up his story like a week ago and them not know about The Rock's involvement tonight. It wasn't something they just brought out. So I think they would tell Cody to kind of like shut up about that if that was the case. Who knows? Maybe they're having to do that to you know, make our heads go in a different direction at Royal Rumble or something. But I just think that it's going to be obvious, but Hunter's throwing hurdles in front of that. So it isn't as obvious, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And, like we said, it's Dwayne the fucking Rock Johnson. Like, it's not just wrestling fans, guys. I mean, what do you want? No involvement from? Fuck you, Rock. You helped build us to becoming a publicly traded company, and you're the, the biggest person on the fucking planet, but no, 
Come on. Stupid. So here is where where you kind of get into what I was talking about with MJF and if you were going to have them debut with the rumble and what I would do, let's, let's, let's pretend that this is happening, right? MJF screws, screws Cody. And then you continue the Cody storyline, but you're giving the all of wrestling fans something very entertaining to watch. And you could go the route of punk wins the rumble and the rock is one of the last people if the rock is there in the rumble he's one of the last people there there are so many there's so many tools at wwe's disposal right now one's theoretical obviously with mjf but if you're going to do something and you don't want to put the title belt on cody and you want a good out that's not going to piss off the the wrestling community cody screwing or cody getting screwed by mjf in the rumble that would be one of them Right. Yeah. Uh, or 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 MJF screwing both Cody and CM Punk. What if what if uh, here's an idea? I mean, The Rock obviously would want to deal with his cousin. He's already called it out. But what if he's if it? We're saying if MJF, like we said, he's probably going to be in AEW. But if if they were to, because I think there's two places you have MJF show up. You either have him show up at the Rumble and be involved with Mania, or Cody's in the ring with the title maybe Monday after, the Raw after Mania, and MJF shows up there. Those are the two places I could see it happening, if he were to. So if he's in the Rumble, he shows up, gets a huge pop, he could fuck over Cody, that makes a lot of sense. He could fuck over Punk, that makes a lot of sense. But who is a person, especially how popular, and I don't think it would happen because of the fact that MJF is new, but what if he eliminates The Rock? And then you have a chance to have MJF and The Rock at fucking Mania. All of that is going to make people a lot happier than, than I guess, just straight what, what I'm predicting is going to happen. But that all just pivots on whether you can get MJF or not, right? Yeah. Yep. Hey, I love your idea. I think that makes a lot of sense. So... It, and that's the thing. It's like me and you are not worried about Cody Rhodes getting screwed over. Cody was on Busted Open because uh, Dave LaGreca is very emotional about Cody winning this year at WrestleMania. And to where Bully Ray and, and Tommy Dreamer kind of give him shit about it. And Thunder Rosa. They basically pick on him, which Mickey James is there a lot of times to help him. But, you know, shit happens. Um, and Cody was getting interviewed by him. And he told Dave he likes his passion, but he was like, you know, don't sweat it, man. He goes, whatever happens, happens. He goes, it's a fucking rock. And to me, hearing Cody say that, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, we just need to see what it plays out, really, as fans. And I know that we have a problem doing that, uh, especially nowadays, but that's the best thing about being a fan is the mystery. And, and for some reason, I don't know, maybe people don't think that anymore. People just want all the information right then and there. But I don't agree with that. So. Uh, here's the way you should look at it as a wrestling company, though. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of Montreal, uh, Toronto, <laughs> Toronto fans and Montreal Canadian fans in NHL, and they haven't won a fucking Stanley Cup since like the 70s. So <laughs> the fans still come out to see them. If Cody loses, people are still going to be Cody Rhodes fans. They're not going to fucking go away. It's not 
it's not going to be the end of the wrestling world if Cody doesn't I win a so. fucking pre-de- a predetermined belt. It's not going to matter. Um, that being said, I do think they're going to give you the Cody payoff this time. So it's just weird that so many fans are like, whoa, what are you going to do? <laughs> the, the answer is not like when Cody didn't win at Mania last year, you didn't you guys didn't all stop watching and switch over to AEW. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. You're just going to be sad for a little bit and then you're going to go back to watching WWE. It's just it's just such a weird fucking thing. It's. Cody had some great matches. He's got a good buildup. I think that he is probably going to win the title. Um, but here's the thing, Chris. Let's be honest. No, all right. So once Cody gets the title, that's great, and he can hold it for a you know a decent amount of time. But just like Seth, after a while, it it's not about baby faces having the title. It's about them winning the title. It's more about heels having the title for the baby face to run down. Um, and the more you put of the storyline behind that and the length of the title run for the heel makes it that much more impactful for the baby face. So even if Cody does get at WrestleMania, which I really think he is, I don't necessarily think he needs to have it for that long. Um, you know, definitely not like a year. We don't have to keep on doing this. It's going to be great for another heel eventually to kind of be in a position to go against Cody and take that from him. And then maybe Cody gets a redemption championship again right after, you know, it just depends on the storytelling. So, but I don't know. Now I'm, I'm starting to sound like an old man. I'm just complaining about people's perception of wrestling nowadays. So I'll just shut the funk up. Let's say that MJF doesn't show up at all. And you go, this is the other route that they could go, which is the rock wins the rumble. And he beats Roman. And let's say Cody gets screwed over by the bloodline somehow in the Royal Rumble. The Rock beats Roman clean. Maybe the Rock calls out Cody and Cody beats the Rock. That's another way you could go. And you could say he didn't beat Roman, but then that sets up another match with him and Roman when Roman comes back or whatever they want to do down the line. But also it's Cody Rhodes beating the Rock on the second night of WrestleMania, which I would argue, even though Roman has this crazy streak, is still a bigger moment than beating Roman at WrestleMania. So either way you do that, you could still get a great outcome as long as Cody is in one of the title matches, like in a title match and wins the title. It just depends on what they want to do. I don't think that Cody is walking out of WrestleMania weekend without the fucking belt. It just depends on how they want to get there. And also, remember, everyone, especially since they're making it more grander by having it in Australia this year, Elimination Chamber is another way to get to a championship for WrestleMania. So they've done it in the past where it's been the Rumble, and then that kind of made both championship matches. But then they've also put the champion, that that person, also in the Elimination Chamber. I don't think they're doing it that year because I don't think Roman or Seth should be in the actual chamber. Um, They should be separated from it. So whoever gets a chance, it's another chance at the title. So even if Cody doesn't win at Royal Rumble, it still can happen. You know, he can still get a title shot is what I'm saying. So, you know, just uh, just see what happens. See, you know. 
Yeah, and I think it really depends on like what lineup you want for Elimination Chamber on who wins the Rumble. Because I like right now I have sketched in either Punk or Cody. Yeah, with the, the Rock, with the Rock, with the Rock having an outside chance if he's going to be part of the Rumble. Um, but yeah, because you could do that either way, like you said, because it's the number one contendership for this title on this brand or whatever. So there, there's. And also, like, they don't give a fuck about the brand split, so they just figure it out as they go. I will say Triple H has done a good job of handling that a little better, even though it's still kind of all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's still it's still pretty all over the place. But, you know, they did some cool stuff. Um, also, last night on SmackDown, like I said, there was a three-way match that was supposed to determine between AJ Styles, LA Knight, and Randy Orton the number one contender to go against at the Royal Rumble, uh, Roman Reigns. Roman was there, and during the match, awesome match. Between, I mean, it's it's LA Knight who is just over as hell, and then you have AJ Styles and Randy Orton in there. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and Roman came at the end with the rest of the bloodline, like Scar and the, the two hyenas, essentially. Like, I've always made that comparison from Lion King and just beat the shit out of all of them, and right... You know, Nick Aldis is watching it, and then he goes over to a smiling wise man, uh, Mr. Paul Heyman, and says, well, Roman just screwed up big time. Uh, you know, because now he has three opponents at Royal Rumble. It will be him versus AJ Styles versus Randy Orton versus LA Knight for the title. So big deal coming out of there, man. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be basically a, a big man WWE spot fest. Uh, but, you know, they're not going to win. No one's going to win. So, And I would, honestly, since I think Randy hasn't been beaten by Roman, I think Randy should take the pin. Um, that's just my opinion, though. I think that you make Roman that much bigger if you take out all these opponents. And you can lead to a cool match. I don't know what LA Knight's going to do, but I know he's going to do something. And he could go against Randy Orton in a match. Uh, AJ and Randy would be an awesome match for a big profile one. You know, AJ with this chip on his shoulder, basically come back from TNA where he was like Sting or some shit. You know, he's in here now. So they're all going to have high profile matches. And I like the fact, Chris, that the three of them are not going to be in the Royal Rumble. Because I, even though I like all of them, obviously, they're some of the bigger names. I don't want any of them to win. So there's more chances for surprises and the actual roster themselves to be involved in the Royal Rumble without the three of them being involved. So I think this is really good um, piece of business for Royal Rumble. We're in a weird spot with the Royal Rumble, though, because they all three could be in the Royal Rumble as well. Like they have done that in the past. Just because you're in a title match doesn't mean you're not in the Rumble. Look at Becky Lynch, right? That's a good point. Yep. So I mean they and in and that gives star power to the rumble. They have their match. Let's say they have their match at the very beginning of the night and the rumble is the main event, then they could also be in the rumble. It just depends on what they're going to what they're going to do with that thing. If the rock is going to be part of the Royal Rumble, that's going to be the main event of that show. Uh so yeah. That that one's a little weird because we don't they never they never. There's no rule that if you wrestle earlier in the night, you can't also be in the Royal Rumble, as far as I know, because they've done that multiple times. Where they, you, you know, you would think that if you're part of a title match already, you wouldn't be in the Royal Rumble, but that's not necessarily always the case. 
because I thought about that last night as well. I was like, well, can't they just like all be in the Royal Rumble yet? But um, yeah, one of my favorite things about Nick Aldis so far is they find the biggest suit possible to put him in so he doesn't look bigger than a lot of their other wrestlers because fucking Aldis is jacked right now, brother. <laughs> this guy's been at the same gym as Randy Orton, apparently. Um, but yeah, I, like what I, I messaged you as soon as that happened last night and we got the uh, the final, the finality of SmackDown, it was... Holy shit, Roman's a dumbass, and so is Paul Heyman. But it's it's fun to see the heels look dumb for one instead of the baby faces. I'm gonna come out here and I'll just interfere in this match, and then there won't be any finish to the match, and nothing bad will happen to me. So it was fun seeing Nick Aldis, you know, as the JJ Dillon authority figure here, be like, hey, guess what, dude? You done fucked up. You gotta go against all three of them now. So that was cool. Uh but yeah, like that's uh, it's gonna be weird. L.A. Knight's in a weird spot because he's super over, but he's also kind of Sami Zayn now. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Which is not bad to be in that position. You know, everyone Mick Foley was was very much kind of in the mix, but also very very over. And he eventually won the title, and I hope the same thing for Sami and it for L.A. Knight. But He's popular, but he doesn't really have a place either. So the, I, what I just thought of this, Chris, I could be completely wrong, but going back to Nick Aldis, I don't know if we're over the fact that, or if he's over the fact that he just got RKO'd randomly by Randy Orton. Um, and there is this tension between AJ and LA Knight. I wonder if that's going to be your two WrestleMania matches, heel AJ versus babyface LA Knight. And then Randy Orton, the Viper, against his boss, Nick Aldis, uh, at Mania. That would be interesting. You could also have AJ in the club align if you want to go the Triple H management style. He's got his two goons, right? He, or he's got his goon team of the club with AJ and, and Mia Yim aligned with him after he screws someone. It's uh, it's it's interesting. I like uh, I like that concept. Yeah, it's it. That's fun to think about. SmackDown has done a really good job, especially considering the you know Roman's not there each week, but carrying that storyline forward. And I easily Nick Aldis has been the best uh, authority figure we've had in a very long time, where it's not like just super fucking cringy. Uh, so I, I actually like that. I like that they didn't do this separate thing where Nick, like Aldis gets the mic and he gets in the middle of the ring and then cuts this berating promo. He just kind of whispered it to Paul. He's like, congratulations, bud. <laughs> you know what I mean? You done fucked up. Uh, which was great. And Aldis is a beast of a wrestler. I, I do not accept that he's no longer going to wrestle. This man is wrestling <laughs> soon. He's too good. He's too fucking good to just be. Dude, he's younger than all three of them. <laughs> he's younger yes. than AJ, Randy, and LA Knight. Think about yes. that. <laughs> Shout out to the British Invasion on Impact. Uh, TNA, since TNA is coming back, British Invasion. Uh, check out the interview I did with Rob Terry. It's great. It's good yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Good plug, my friend. Good plug. All right. Well, that's pretty much the big uh, news items with WWE, I think. Um, 
So I think we should take our place and kind of go over the AEW pay-per-view and talk a little bit about some of the stuff, the, the aftermath that happened on um, uh, Dynamite. So let's get into it, man. Uh, so do you want to do the pre-show? I, I mean, I remember the matches, but they're all kind of like... I'll just I'll jumble them up. How about I do that? Uh, well, the I only one to... the 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 only pre-show match I remember was the uh, the battle royal, which because we did a prediction on that, and I said Luchasaurus would win, and he won. So, yeah, Willow Nightingale beat Chris Statlander. Kill Switch won, uh, or Luchasaurus won uh, uh, the twenty uh, man thing, and you got this. Ability to cash in to uh, basically the same thing, if you will, for Money in the Bank for the TNT Championship. We'll talk more about that when we get there. And then Hook went against uh, Wheeler Yuta by submission. Um, so I'm assuming since we had an FTW match with the two of them, we're going to go for a pure match next with Wheeler Yuta and Hook. And I kind of hype, hope Hook wins both titles because, uh, yeah, no offense to Wheeler Yuta, but. Uh, Hook would look really cool with the FDW Championship and the Pure Championship, I think, Chris. Yes. Yes, he would. And we were three for three, by the way, through those matches on the pre-show. Um, the Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander match was really great, and I actually liked the follow-up. Uh, did you check? Did you get a watch Rampage last night? I watched the first match, and when I found out, I told you, when I found out it was the Hardys and, and Briscoe going against the Butcher Blade and uh, whatever the fuck his name is, Pip, um, yeah, I was just kind of discouraged and said, ah, screw this, I'm done. So there was a there was a fun Stokely halfway spot <laughs> where he's doing the intro for Chris Statlander. That's his new thing, because he's got a crush on Chris Statlander, I guess, and she they tagged with, uh, she tagged with Willow Nightingale. <laughs> And that was that was fun. That's worth going back and watching, by the way, if you if you didn't see that. But um, all of the matches were good. Battle Royale was like I'm tired of seeing those on AEW pay-per-views. Just don't fucking do that and maybe cut like 30, 45 minutes off your pay-per-view, especially because it led to exactly what we thought it was going to lead to, which is actually it, it, did, it wasn't even as cool as what I predicted, which is like, well, now you have a reason for Luchasaurus to hate christian uh they paid that off directly so they didn't even do what i would have done with it but uh yeah we were three for three on those predictions hook beating willer yuda i don't think is the worst thing in the world uh willer yuda and hook had a good match it was just kind of there though honestly it really was um and kind of like this match next, I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. And I know why they did it, because of the fact that they were all involved in the tournament itself. But it was kind of random. Like, let's take the baby faces and put them against the heels. Even though, well, we'll get to it. So basically, it was a fun eight-man tag match. But it was a Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio uh, and Brian Danielson, teaming with Mark Briscoe and Daniel Garcia, going against Jay Lethal, Brody King, Jay White, and Rush. Or Roosh, I should say. Um, I mean, you got all these guys. You don't really have anything for them specifically. So, you know, it's it's just the fact that obviously Daniel, all the other guys obviously are heels. 
But like obviously Daniel is kind of coming over as a baby face. And I don't see Claudio very baby face anymore. Um, even Brian Danielson for that matter. So it was just kind of a random match, but a lot of fun, a lot of spots. And then I believe I know that Jay Lethal got beat. I I don't know who pinned him though. So there you go. Sorry about that. Seventeen minutes. Uh, Gar- Daniel Garcia pinned him, right? What's that? I think Daniel Garcia pinned him because they talked about that in the po- presser afterwards. Because he was, was on, on the, the press conference team. afterwards. Garcia was on the heel team that lost. Well, then why the hell was he part of the press conference? They were like, you just had a big... Vi-. Okay, well, maybe they just fucked up on the press conference then. Um, God, I don't remember anything about the this match. Who would have won? Because it, it it wasn't Mark Briscoe didn't get the pin. Brian Daniel Brian Danielson didn't get the pin. Let's oh. go through the people. No, no, no. You're right. I, I'm sorry. Maybe I did misread this, or Wikipedia has it messed up. Because I'm I'm looking at the number of people and that doesn't work out. So it's Claudio, Brian, Mark Briscoe. Oh, okay, and Daniel Garcia. So Daniel defeated Jay uh, Lethal. I think that was it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense because I was like, God, did I really fucking blink out that hard on that match? Yeah, Garcia got the win and then he was part of the press conference. Um, And actually, I think that that's the most personality I've seen out of him ever was that press conference. So they got to figure out a way to use Garcia more. More like they did during that press conference as far as him cutting a promo, because he just doesn't have like a he doesn't have like your traditional. This guy is going to be a superstar. Look, I think he's good in the ring. He's not great at just cutting an in-ring promo, but like the press conference shit that he did afterwards, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, no, I think it was great. Um, I I thought he, he was very personable. Actually, I think that he's better as a baby face naturally than, as, than a heel, to be honest with you. Yeah, because at some point you're rooting. He's almost got the Brian Danielson thing where you're rooting for him just because the company has dropped the fucking ball on him so hard. Yeah, <laughs> like he gets a slow push and then stop, slow push and then stop. Uh, the press conference kind of laid that out, and and I think that him talking about his goals and stuff, specifically after getting that win and, and pushing forward uh, into the new year, was good for him. So hopefully they keep that up. With, with his character. And I think they did a good follow-up as well uh, this week. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I uh, I just think that he's very personable, and uh, I'm, I'm not so much um, involved uh, with the whole dancing, um, just because I think that's for a different area in the audience, or, or demographic, I should say. But um, he's a good wrestler, and he's shown a hell of a lot more personality. So I think that's uh, that's definitely a good thing. And I like that they're turning, or it seems like, Chris, this happened on uh, Dynamite. Jay Lethal's, or maybe it was on Rampage at the beginning of it. I saw it on something. But Jay Lethal's, I think, done, man. I think that he's fucking done with this group. I think that we're going to have a match between him and Jeff Jarrett. I think Jarrett's going to end up fucking him over or something. But I feel like, at least with Jay, they're taking the losses and trying to make a story about him getting away. Like, the group is the thing that's holding him back in this direction of how he's thinking. Because I want fucking Jay Lethal back as a babyface, to be quite honest with you. So, when they had the confrontation last night in the locker room, I'm hoping that leads to the ending of Jay being involved with the the circus group. 
is god as much as i love them too because i think they're really fucking funny together it was a good promo specifically jeff jarrett uh and karen jarrett trying to hold those two together it's just like no no you don't need to say all that it was it was kind of it was really good but jeff jarrett's like i've won all of my singles matches or or, or 10 out of two or whatever or 10 out of like 12 or whatever in a title what have you done you've lost so much and he's just laying into jay lethal that was great. Um, not everyone can get that storyline over of where you go in this long losing streak. This also goes back to Brian Daniels. And they use this in WWE to try to get people over all the time, and it fails. With Jay Lethal, he's such a name, I think it could actually work, especially if he's <laughs> going against Jeff Jarrett, who's just a great scumbag heel for a while I, that's an interesting storyline coming out of that. i didn't know that they would have a great storyline for jay lethal coming out of that tournament but if if this is it that's that's pretty good yeah and i think both me and you really hope it is the case so we'll wait and see when it comes to that progression uh next match it was a fun match and this is another person we can talk about is on his way to wwe um well, we don't know that 100%, but we're pretty damn sure about it. Uh, you know, there, Shawn Michaels was talking about a former NXT champion showing up at the next show. So, who knows? Maybe it's not Andrade, but it's probably. So, Andrade El Idolo, or formerly known as, maybe he'll be Andrade Cien Almos very soon, uh, went against Miro. Um, and because of CJ Perry, who's Andrade's... I guess what they're trying to do with the storyline, the way I took it, is that CJ was pushing the limits of her husband. And then when she realized that he was manly enough for her, she fucked over her person. So it was all rouge. But Miro didn't really know that. But, hey, whatever. They had a good match. Miro won. Andrade's off to WWE. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with him uh, when he gets there. It's a really good WWE pay-per-view match. It's exactly yeah. what they had. Um, terrible fuck finish. It's weird that they decided to protect Andrade, kind of knowing he wasn't going to sign a contract. So they do the press conference. Tony Khan brings up the fact that on they're trying to negotiate with Andrade. They don't know where he's going to be or whatever. The very next day, Andrade posts on Twitter a thank you and goodbye to everyone in AEW. So that's a foregone conclusion. It's just whether he's going to be in NXT or on the main roster at this point. Because uh, I doubt that he signed some huge deal with AAA or CML. So ex- expect Andrade back in the, the very near future. Because based on that Twitter post, he wouldn't have went out to give thank yous to individual people that he worked with in AEW if he wasn't leaving. Um, good match. Andrade looked like a million bucks. Miro looked like a million bucks. Uh Miro with CJ Perry as a manager, I could care less about. Like, I, I know that that's his wife, but Miro doing the, the being the redeemer and demolishing people was the most fun version of Miro I'd seen in a very long time. So, doing this weird thing where she's just, they, I don't know why AEW thinks that people want to see a wife and husband argue. Like, they have enough. <laughs> married people have enough of that shit in their real life to like watch it <laughs> especially when it doesn't mean anything like what i got all that match is like okay so cj's just constantly cucking miro since like 2018 <laughs> that's that's what i got out of that 
Yeah. Hey, do you like a... do you like do you like the storyline minus like the production quality of WWE and Bobby Lashley? Here you go. Oh God. Remember the sisters? Uh, thanks, Vince, for the memories. Wait, who, who was it that Lana made out with that was a female? They they had that going for a while too. Uh, is this what uh, is this Miro's entire career now? Is that what we're gonna do. Lana ruins his career after a little while. Each thing he gets himself over, and then, yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, her and Liv Morgan. But uh, interesting stuff, you know, just great storytelling for the sake of storytelling. And that's actually right after Miro fucking laughs. You know what would be? You know what would be good storytelling if Miro's just had enough and he gives her a turban. <laughs> oh, puts, how about, how about just puts her in his move? And then he's like, I'm done with you. Who uh, could be Miro's Sherry Martell? Because that's the way you could save this, right? You know how Macho know. had Sherry Martell? You know Macho had Sherry Martell? Of course, Queen Sherry. Okay. So what female wrestler could you put with him that would that would make sense? Can he get sprayed with mist again? And then <laughs> Julia Hart makes her his her like demon dog. It's a dog from Ghostbusters name. She just starts calling him that. <laughs> like, I'm just throwing ideas at the wall that'll be better than Cuck Miro for the next couple of months. I know Cuck Miro just has that nice, I don't know, happy ending afterwards. Does um, it? <laughs> no, not at all. Every- Every time she shows up, he leaves for like three months. So it's not, it's not going great. Yeah. No. Well, what are you going to do? But um, let's go to the next match. Timeless Stony Storm. I mean, to, to answer your question, book it better. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. That's what you should do. Fuck. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, next match, Timeless Tony Storm with Luther, uh, one against uh, Riho. I just feel like and this is nothing, it's not mainly against Riho. It's just like they didn't have any ideas for an opponent, you know, like it seems like it was just out of nowhere, kind of put together and didn't really have anything. Like Tony Storm, her character is definitely getting over at the audience. It just seems like they just kind of. Do they want her to be a heel? Do they want her to be a baby face? Like, are they trying to get the audience to boo her by going against? Because that's not working. It's not. It's not working at all. And this was fine. It was. A, it was a decent match. It just seemed like it would have been something you saw on Dynamite. And I kind of feel that way about the other ladies' match. We'll talk about in a little while as well. But uh, Tony Storm won, which I think everyone thought that was probably going to happen. And um, you know, the on Dynamite we talked about it. She didn't show up for Mariah May, who had a match and lost, and then was berated after she made fun of New Jersey by Deanna Perrazzo. The Virtuosa is going after Tony Storm, it looks like, and that would be, I think, a good feud um, for the two of them. So looking forward to seeing what happens from there. And I have to say that I really do like Mariah May. She reminds me of, like, Tiffany Stratton with a British accent, basically. Yeah, so, so the Tony Storm match itself was good. It, the fans did not give a single fuck about Rio, that did, and that didn't help, and that's not the fans' fault. Like They've given us no reason to care about Rio other than she's the first 
And that's what commentary kept saying. She was the first. She's the first AEW Women's Champion or whatever. And they just kept driving that home. And I was like, I don't know that that's going to make people care, per se, just because she's not been used on television. You really didn't build up this match at all in any way that anyone would care. I don't think anyone believed that Tony Storm was going to lose. You did a weird thing where Tony Storm cheated, but she didn't really cheat. And then Luther got kicked out and the fans started booing that because they love Luther as her manager. <laughs> like uh, Rio trying to work babyface the entire match uh, did not help her. Uh, at some point, you just got to realize like these people are not going to cheer me regardless. So I should maybe try something heelish, I guess, within within the realms of that match. Uh but yeah, so the, the match itself, the crowd was kind of like just off on. That being said, Tony Storm's interview uh, on Dynamite was great. And the press conference was hilarious. And if she's not a baby face, it seems like they are trying to make her a baby face to set up a feud with her and Maria. Um, Deanna destroying Maria was great as well. But they gave Maria, I think they gave that. I don't want to call her a jobber because she was a local talent in New Jersey or whatever. Uh, maybe they gave her a little too much offense for Maria's first match. But outside of that, that was, that was all fine. Tony storm is starting to work with work for me a little bit as she leans more into this character and the additional Luther, I think has helped a lot. Uh, the press conference kind of impressed me with how dedicated the character to the character she was. I think someone asked her if, uh, if any of her movies were on streaming, which get props on Tony Khan for saying they're on HBO Max. That was that was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I thought she was she was very uh charismatic um with this character at the press conference and followed up on Dynamite. I like that she has although she's not how do I put this? She has a situation where she has like a, a biggest fan, but they're not going like a Mickey James route. They're doing that actually on NXT with their champion. Um, but it kind of like this girl wants to be her. So I wonder if they're gonna bring that out. I know that they that both ladies Mariah May has been compared to Tony Storm, apparently, because Tony Storm is a past wrestler in stardom. That's what she was doing before she made it to NXT. Uh two-time champion over there. So I guess there's been comparisons. So that's why they're kind of putting them together. So they could really do some fun stuff. I like her, like I said, approach. You know, I'm sure that's just the way that she does it. But how I see it, it's very similar to like a heel, like a Tiffany Stratton, which is not a bad thing at all, at all. Um, but I would like to kind of then play with her kind of being maybe crazy. Uh, throw a little bit of that Mickey James in there. What, what do you think that would look like, Chris? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I think the commentating team did a great job of putting that over during Maria's match uh, of of like Tony Storm is the one that got her into stardom and that's why she followed her here and she's her mentor and then playing off on that was a different Tony Storm than this current Tony Storm. I think that's kind of a unique story, uh, which I would play off with as far as like what Maria does. I think it depends on where they go with Tony Storm? Are they going to lean into Tony Storm being a babyface? They almost have to at this point, right? Yeah. She's getting over, man, as a babyface, not a heel. So, you know, you you lean into Tony being a babyface, and then you do the... You, 
you're not doing the same storyline as Mickey James versus Trish Stratus, but you're kind of doing the same storyline where the the uh, the student becomes the master kind of thing. I guess yeah. you could go that route. But Tony Storm, I think, has uh, the the more they give her with this character before when it was just the vignettes and stuff, but the more they actually let her talk on the mic with this character and just be completely ridiculous, the better it is. Cause it kind of reminds me of, uh, and, and this is what I think she is going for or a combination of things, but it, it feels like gold dust when he had the gold wig on and he would talk about all these Hollywood features and he'd be like, you haven't seen any of them. <laughs> God, you know, nothing about film, which is great. Uh, in fact, they should replay next time she's going to do a match. They should replay highlights of her at that press conference. Cause I think that did more for her, for me at least as a fan than anything else she has done. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> that fucking division is about to get real, real deep when Jamie Hayter comes back and Britt Baker comes back and maybe Thunder Rosa comes back and now you have Diano Parasu. So it's going to be, it's going to get very serious very quick. Uh, and I do applaud them for putting more focus on women's wrestling this week at the start of the new year. Cause rampage, I think had three women's matches on it and uh, dynamite had the, the debut of Diana and the start of Maria and a couple other things uh, leaning towards the women's division. So I, I do want to give them a little slow hand clap. Same thing with the tag division. I did bitch about it on our last show. It seems like they listened. They took note. They're trying to they're trying to correct course a little bit. So good job, TK, on that. Yeah, I actually didn't mean to get it in the mail, but they sent me a uh, apology note for you. So I think that WWE and AEW they're listening. But Tony Khan said, "Chris, you're right. I fucked up. That's all it said." <laughs> Best love, TK. Best of all, it's just, but yeah. I feel like that package. On the planet, damn it! Ugh. Jesus Christ! We're getting closer to that, by the way. <laughs> oh, let's ask Rebby Hardy about how safe that company is. Yeesh. She might not be too happy. Anyways, all right, so let's move on. Uh, cool match. This. Kind of sucks that Keith and Dude was worse at the press conference. Like, well, guess your ass so all, man. I'm moving the fuck on. Like, I'm done. And it sucks. I don't know exactly what happened to Keith Lee, but he had a minor injury, so he couldn't. He wasn't cleared. So Dustin Roach, who I know I've heard him talk about, Swerve, um, I'm sure he was like, fuck it. We'll go out there. We'll fucking, you know, have a match. Uh, it was less than 10 minutes, but it, it was a good match for Swerve to get uh, a good win against a fucking legend like Dustin, and this was also Dustin's last match uh, with AEW, so he's going, I guess he's going, we don't know where he's going wrestling, and WWE seems like the, the right place, I'd love to see him finish up and go in the Hall of Fame, and also, you know, interact in the WWE with his brother, that's very special, I think, to a lot of fans, um, but, you know, maybe he'll go to Impact, who knows, but he's done with AEW, that was announced also at the press conference, but I thought Dustin gave him a good 10-minute match, man. And I think that's exactly what they were trying to do. And, man, Strickland ain't fucking around anymore. And, like I said, I, I think he's going to be the champ before this year's done. Uh, I think he's going to be the champ sooner than before this year's done. I think Joe is kind of a transitional champ. And we'll, we'll get into that 
uh, sorry, spoiler alert for people that didn't watch the review, but uh, yeah, we'll get into that when we get to the Joe match, but uh, Swerve just absolutely demolishing Dustin beforehand. Great. Prince Nana continues to be a fixture that I need in my life. He's, he's fucking incredible. Uh, he, he was great on dynamite as well. Um, absolutely great. Right. They start the match off Dustin being the cowboy. He is almost broken leg and all decides to have the match. Incredible. All of the great Dustin spots you'd want to see and swerve just having absolutely none of it towards the end. Uh, was phenomenal like he he thought that he had dustin beat i love the storytelling in this match because he thinks he has dustin beat and he's kind of just dicking around with him and then dustin fires up and it's such a great old school wrestling moment you get dustin hitting all those cool spots the little drop uh throat throat thrust i guess um all those spots just leading to swerve absolutely demolishing and beating him but dustin just ever vigilantly flipping him off flipping <laughs> making sure everyone knew that he was shooting the bird uh finally loses and then i think swerve did great on the press conference knowing that dustin was out i think that they like the company in general treated that with a good amount of respect of what dustin has done for them dustin seems like he wrapped up because he's going into the wwe hall of fame and probably doing something at mania and and that's kind of what i got out of it i don't know what everyone else got out of it but that's He's going to be one of their big Hall of Fame announcements as him as Goldust. Uh, and then probably helping Cody out. Like I said, at Mania Night 1, probably Dust, uh, Dustin Rhodes and The Rock make the save against the Bloodline. Yeah. You know it would be really cool, though? Not if he fucks him over completely. But if Dustin ends up running out and you think he's going to help Cody and he ends up screwing Cody more... And then Cody still wins. And then maybe you could set up him and his brother for like a last feud with Dustin before he kind of peters out. And I'm assuming probably works at Cody and his school. And then maybe maybe he's a trainer in NXT soon. Dustin's a great person to learn from. He's an incredible wrestler. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that they – I mean, they could do that. That would be great. We – it would be fun to see, I, and I know Cody probably hates it, but it would be fun to see like a, a gold dust stardust match. One more, one Moss more, right. Or a version of that uh, jokingly would be fun. But uh, if this is it, Cody wins the title. You get the big brother hug in the middle of the ring. They finally got, cause gold dust never won the heavyweight title either. The big brother hug at the end of WrestleMania, right off into the sunset, go to Nightmare Factory, train the next generation of superstars. I think that would be great uh, as well. Yeah. Or Dustin hits him in the beanbags after he wins. Dustin did hit Shattered Dreams during this match, which I absolutely loved because we hadn't seen it in a while, but the ref is uh, distracted by Prince Nana. And Dustin yeah, gives, what a terrible uh, managing mistake by Prince Nana. <laughs> Prince Nana. <laughs> Dustin slips out and gives him the big old kick right in the old beanbag. Hey, Shattered how dreams. How did you like the, uh, the dance-off spot on Dynamite between Nana and, uh, and fucking Daniel Garcia? 
I loved it because it didn't make Daniel Garcia look like an idiot. At least he was smart enough to know, like, I know that I'm doing this dance off because he dodged the attack afterwards, which is yep. great. The thing that bothers me when baby faces do stuff like that is when they they get they look super dumb, right? Like you know that this guy's a bad guy and that it's coming. At least Daniel Garcia was like, yeah, but like that'll make me look super dumb, so I'll dodge it. So that was that was cool, but it was really funny. Also, Prince Nana's dance is way better than Daniel Garcia's dance. It is, it is so great, man. I do it every single time. That's yeah, how I dance. dude, I'm always. I'm swerving when I drive every time I see. Dude, that song. it's like I just I go to the gym and I listen to that song and Fergalicious so over and over again back to back. And... <laughs> it's what? it's it's so it, it's so insane because it's like when Prince Nana came back in Ring of Honor for those pay per views, they just kind of stuck him with random people. I was like. What are they going to do with this guy? They proved me wrong. They found something for Prince Nana to do, which I appreciate because he, he's been great. I, he's fun. He's a 1980s manager, and I love it. Yeah. He's, he is a Jimmy Hart. He's, he's Jimmy Hart out here, really hard. And I, I appreciate Slip meets that. Jimmy Hart. <laughs> it's incredible. No, and um, I'm wondering, because he's got something that's over, but obviously – you know, Swerve's trying to go for a heel persona. It's just, and I heard Bully talk about this, and I think I've said the same thing. It's funny because Swerve is so damn cool, but he's doing dastardly shit and just has this I don't give a fuck attitude. But it's getting him over as a babyface that's very kind of Austin-esque in a way. What I'm trying to say is eventually he's going to be a babyface. If he's not already kind of petering that line he, what I what I mean by this is he's, he he'll probably start embracing the audience as opposed to like not being neutral about it. Um, but does I, Nana still work as a manager if he's a babyface badass instead of this borderline heel? Yes, he just won't he interfere in the match. Just dancing. He's just dancing. He's yeah. it's it's just Jimmy Hart, right? It's the same thing whether Jimmy Hart's a heel manager. or Babyface manager. He just do the same the same shit. That's why I drew the conclusion to Jimmy Hart. Yeah, is you just yeah. do this. You just do the same shit. Just you either interfere or you don't interfere, right? Uh, but th- this kind of gets into why I think it was a great idea of what happens later in the show with Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Because Joe can be that heel regardless of what swerve looks like a couple of months from now so if swerve's baby face run continues or if he becomes a bigger baby face joe is still samoa joe he can still be the fucking dominant monster heel so it i think it works either way and, and that's why i think joe is more of a transitional champion here than than expected and i i don't you know obviously with adam cole getting hurt it changed a lot of the, what they were going to go for in general uh but joe having that belt like all he's got to do is choke out nana and he's the biggest heel in the building right like so uh it kind of works it kind of works itself out because swerve is people don't want to boo the guy they will boo him because he he does such a good job of being such a dick in the ring but it is kind of that the cusp of the Austin rock thing where it's like, they don't really want to be. 
No, they just think that you're a badass. They'll fuck people up. You know, it's kind of, it's it's different. But yeah, I just I love the uh, presentation. I thought it was he was great um, with the follow ups at the press conference. Um, Swerves definitely like I keep on saying someone to look for within the future and very soon. I think we're going to be seeing some stuff just like you alluded to as well. Uh, it's, man, it's also it's it's so hard to boo Swerve after that promo where he went off on Adam uh, Hangman and said, "I want to become the first AEW Black Heavyweight Champion," and like yep. all of the goals he set for himself. And then every press conference, he talks about those goals. It's like, well, he's doing dastardly shit, but at the same time, this man's just trying to reach his goals. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of it's kind of okay. hard. To, to boo him. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate, I, I, you know, with comparisons, I hate t- comparing him still to Austin, but that's another thing that he shares in common with Austin. Austin had a fucking chip on his shoulder. After what happened with WCW, he was fucking done and he was going to turn around and tell him to fuck it. And I, I don't think that sh- that swerves as bitter with the WWE, but I think there is a lot of that. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to show you, I'm going to fucking make it. I don't need, I don't need, WWE and NXT to do it like I'm gonna do it my fucking self and I feel like there is like a when you got a chip in your shoulder in this industry you end up doing some crazy stuff uh because of that look at Eddie Kingston for example it's also the big issue with MJF being the scumbag that you love because yes. you could look you could look at Swerve and be like well why is he not the scumbag that I love because they're basically doing the same shit should I hate him because he has a manager? But then Adam Cole is MJF's manager, kind of. It's why that doesn't work. It's why that shade of gray shit doesn't work. Because then, like, your fans are going to be like, well, I'm going to choose, I'm just going to cheer for Swerve regardless because I already like this other asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll get, we will get to that, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's coming up. Let's get to this next one. Um, so the announcer said, well, we first, obviously, we have the heels on one side, Ricky Starks, Big Bill, Don Callis family, uh, Kenosha Keshka, and Powerhouse Hobbs with Don Callis, obviously. Babyfaces come out. And I swear the announcer sounded like he said, Sting and Darby Allen. And wait, wait, should we really call them this tag team anymore? I mean, does it really work? All right, let's sex gods and Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho come out. The only way it's a way I, I describe it to you, Chris, regardless of, of what happened with the scandals or whatever, or the allegations or whatnot, those getting out there, people like to sing your song, but uh, it sounded like his song was being sing, sung in like a wind tunnel of booze. And as soon as it stopped, and anytime Jericho, there was a chant. What the fuck were they saying? Um, sign a DA, Kaylee Ray, or some shit like that. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, and and we'll we'll get into it afterwards. Um, you know, just Tony's response at the the fucking press conference didn't. I don't think helped. Uh, it's just a. <sighs> it's a sticky situation itself. And I feel bad because the biggest thing, and, you know, it's Sting. It's one of his last matches. He's done in March. So it was weird when he had someone in the Scorpion Death Drop and they were cheering him and Jericho goes to the, with the lion uh, tamer right next to him and they start booing. It was just, it was awkward. 
Uh, you could tell it wasn't the whole audience, but you know that is that is literally your audience in a lot of ways. So they were very verbal about that, and uh, it got fucking it got awkward. So yeah, I mean that that's that's the AEW audience, right? They're really in touch with every fucking thing that gets written on the internet. So yeah, I probably wouldn't have had that match. <laughs> I would have came up with a reason not to have that match. At least not the way that they had that match, right? So, yeah, it, Sting would hit the ring. People would pop. They'd go crazy. He was, anytime Jericho would hit the ring at the same time as Sting, Sting started fucking up spots. Um, Jericho fucked up a bunch of spots. They were obviously thrown off by whatever this was. This was not a good match. Fans were super into Sting. They did not give a shit. They were actually... They were there for a couple of Darby spots as well, but like people did not give a shit about this match. They mostly, when they saw Jericho, they thought about Jericho thing. And then having Sammy Guevara get the win uh, the way he did, I don't think helped the match. Uh, because it's more like, okay, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara's team, both who have had like weird stuff in the media, just beat Ricky Starks, a guy that we like. And that's what the, the crowd yes. reacted reacted as uh and granted i I get ricky starks as a heel and the idea is going to be jericho and sammy Guevara versus ricky starks and big bill but big bill should murder both these people and then they just get through that tag match if they got to do that uh because it it was not a great look and look we don't know anything like there is these are all rumors started or not i don't even want to say rumors but things that were brought up on a, a fucking podcast uh, from Nick Nick Halsman, and I'm sure that he had reason to say what he said, and whatever, and and maybe there's some truth to it. There is no proof that that's why Kylie Ray left. From what I remember, when she left, it was due to mental health issues, and then she also no showed multiple TNA events for the same reason. Um. I think Tony dodging kind of some of those questions during the press conference wasn't a good look. Especially but, when he was wearing Tony Storm's hat and fucking bug classes the first time it happened. God, and that's not his fault. That's just the timing of it. But it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. It was yeah, it's, it's you knew you should have known it was coming and. It, it it was weird even to just make that just a straight tag match with Sting because all, all it does is makes it's one of those weird Sting always finds itself in these weird victory road situations of like where someone else in the match fucks up. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets booed and he's like, God damn it. This, this uh, all I gotta say is if if it was beforehand their concept of maybe trying to get the Sting and Jericho for Sting's last match, they definitely do not want to do that. I think fans no, will be pissed it, off regardless now at this point. It should it should be Sting and Darby. It should have been Sting and Darby the whole time. I right. agree, but uh, yeah, it's just a it's an unfortunate situation. Um, you know, Nick Housman, I don't know everything from his side. Like you said, it's like I'm sure he has reason. Uh, but you know, then again, Chris Jericho did decide to say that he's never signed an NDA in his life. Kind of put that out there, so. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of it's similar, I'll say, to the Tessa Blanchard thing when she was like, come on, ladies, buck up and let's be cool with each other. And every girl was like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> maybe don't open your mouth. 
I don't know. And then people don't go. People are fucking detectives on Twitter, man. They'll go 30 years back. They'll fucking check out every day to see if you said one thing. And they'll bring it forward. That's how people are. So well, uh, the, the worst part is, is like, why the fuck is Chris Jericho still talking about CM Punk unless he's also trying to get back to WWE? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Hunter was like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see you in the Hall of Fame in a couple of years, Chris. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, why the fuck is he still talking about CM Punk? That's doing nothing for AEW business at all. In general, like, and he's not even talking at CM Punk. He's talking at at CM Punk's lawyer about a Steele's wife on Christmas at four in the morning. Like, yeah. the fuck are you doing, bud? And and I love Chris Jericho. We've talked about Chris Jericho so many times. Me he's too. a million. He's he's phenomenal. The way he's he he said some one like at least one of my favorite matches of all time. Him and Shawn Michaels is fucking absolutely phenomenal but just shut the fuck up dude (laughs) stop just sometimes stop talking (laughs) like why (laughs) if you're sting stings back and he's like why dude (laughs) shut the fuck (laughs) just please shut the fuck up uh but yeah that's it i I'm not going to bury Chris Jericho. I'm not going to go on a limb and be like everything Nick Houseman says and Kylie Ray says is okay because I remember the stories of why she left AEW a lot different than what is being presented now. Um, not saying that they're not related. I just remember that she also no-showed a fuck ton of TNA events and got fired from there and that maybe that is its own separate thing. And also, uh, you know, I think everyone deserves a benefit of a doubt a little bit when it comes to this stuff, especially as easy it is to call people out on shit uh, without there being any, any kind of evidence whatsoever. Not that Jericho is the best person in the world. I mean, if you're, I'm pretty sure he probably did sign an NDA when he slapped that female fan years ago in WWE. (laughs) Pretty sure that was a lawsuit that happened maybe he didn't sign an nda about it but yeah or uh, when he tried to when he tried to fight sean michaels why i mean if you're just going to point out that jericho is not the best person in the entire world there are stories to support that (laughs) yeah it just especially with him and alcohol man i mean it just seems like he can get himself into a little bit of trouble with a little bit of that bubbly you know what i'm saying yeah Uh, i'm just i'm just surprised that he's drinking as hard as he can is because he almost fucking died. Like 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 I said last week, didn't he almost die in London from overdrinking? Well, dude, it's crazy that last week we were just talking about the fucking text, and then right afterwards, just like all the allegations came out. It's like, oh shit, this is right before the pay per view. This is gonna be real fucking interesting, and it was. But um, they got through. Yeah, it. it's 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 really interesting in the sense of like nothing else has came out this week about it at all so it's oh, pretty much hot, hot. it's pretty much nick Hausman Howes, talking about skeletons in a closet and kylie ray being like yeah i know right well yeah i don't think she hasn't said anything about it i think she liked something uh, and that was about it but um i know she's she re- she responded she responded to a rumor that happened 
about the time she left where apparently, and I don't know if you saw all of this, but Jericho had invited her to a room and she was under the assumption that there were multiple people there and he made an advance at her, I guess, in his dress. Yeah. That's, 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 and that's, what I that's, that's the entire story. But like, uh, Tony Khan not answering the questions of NDAs and the fact that no one actually asked the question of like, have you had any female talents that have had to sign an NDA or male talents that have had to sign an NDA about something that was not brawl brawl out? Like that would have been the question I would have asked as a journalist in that situation. Um, You guys are all kind of goofs wrestling journalists out there at the AEW pay-per-views. Tony Khan, if you want to have tickets. Hell yeah, definitely agree. Probably won't ask stupid shit, or, or at least put it that way, but let's move on. Next match. Julia Hart, Nabadon. I actually don't remember a lot about this match. I hate to say that. Um, I guess because of the reaction of what happened bef- before, and it's kind of buried because then we have like, you know, three big matches right afterwards. But Julia Hart won. I expected that. And Abaddon is definitely creepy. Um, do you remember this match much, Chris? It's 11 minutes. Wow. At least they, they got some time. Uh, yeah, because they have to, for whatever reason, go seven hours on every AEW pay-per-view. Uh, this is a terrible match. And uh, mostly because the stip was, you can bite your opponent. (laughs) That was the entire stip. So everything else could equate as a DQ, but you can bite your opponent. So they built the entire match around that stipulation. Uh, Abaddon fucked up a bunch of spots. We had a run-in. Julia Hart gets the win. We also get no Brody King at ringside as her manager, which I hate because I like that better than whatever the hell they're doing uh, with the the the, the uh, God Sky Blue storyline. Yeah, this was bad. Yeah, guys, don't this money was this was really the hard. worst thing. I was just gonna say this was the worst thing on the pay per view. No, I, I agree, and yeah, don't muddy up Julia Hart. We were praising her last time. We like her with with Brody and uh, Abaddon, all the extracurricular shit. I don't know. This whole feud was just randomly put together on Collision because they're both creepy, I guess. Uh, and I just don't. I think Abaddon does a good job being creepy, but I don't think she does a good job at wrestling. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, this weird version of Tony Storm talking about key parties is creepier than both of them so if you want to do creepy versus creepy <laughs> there you go uh no it, abaddon's just not that good in the ring and when you put in a stipulation of just biting each other it it i don't know that's just a dumbass dip that's some did jeff jarrett book this match is what i'm getting at <laughs> was this an lol tna moment I mean, Abaddon seems like a, a creation for, for TNA that no one would talk about years later. So there's there's that. Yeah. I like mean, let's, she tried, let's be honest. She tried to be part of the decay, but couldn't join. Yeah, I was about to say, she's basically <laughs> like Kmart Rosemary. Let's just be honest. 
she is Kmart Rosemary. <laughs> just like in every way. <laughs> Look, in ring ability. We haven't heard her promo, but assuming promo. Um, yeah. They could just hire Rosemary. <laughs> I don't think she's actually under contract. <laughs> could just hire Rosemary. That'd be better. Do that. I, I completely endorse that. All right. Uh, next match. I thought that was a really good match. Uh, I mean, even though we really haven't seen too much with the two of them against each other, as much as you would think, um, Edge and Christian knew how to do a really good no DQ fucking match. Christian is is obviously not really the domineering heel or the tough heel. He is the chicken shit. And for a good portion, it's uh, Adam getting the best of him, taking him through the whole fucking arena. Uh, Nick. Wayne getting involved. His mom was at ringside with him. Uh, but I think it was from what I remember from the ending that went down, uh, kill switch, the former Luchasaurus, uh, got involved finally at the end. And, um, what was it? it uh, still like, you know, Adam was able to get through all of them and take them out. And then, no, no, that's right. He beats Christian. And then, Killswitch comes out with that briefcase from the 20-man rumble um, to go and take out uh, Adam after, obviously, he's hurt. Very, uh, you know, like I said, money in the bank, obviously associated a lot with Adam, so cool and symbolic. And Christian convinces the dinosaur, once again, or demon dinosaur, whatever he is, um, to give him the thing. And I thought maybe we're going to get Luchasaurus turning on Christian. No, he gives him that briefcase and helps him get him in the kill switch. One, two, three. Christian is your damn TNT title champion. I thought this was great. I thought this is great heel work. And, you know, they've had now two good matches. Um, or No, they didn't have a first match. Have they had a? Yeah, they've had two matches now. Uh, keep, them, keep them going back and forth. I mean, I'm down for that. If you want to separate them, that's cool. But I think. It's it's fun now later in their career that Christian Cage and Adam Copeland are actually able to have like a more heated rivalry personally between the two of them uh, than in the past. So what did you what did you think about this match and the booking uh, of the ending? I think looking at Christian and Edge in a non WWE environment makes you wonder how Christian was not the bigger superstar than Edge in WWE. <laughs> um, good match. Edge wrestled most of it with a giant fucking hematoma, which I'm pretty sure that he actually did the Rocky three uh, or Rocky, the Rocky one cut my eye on. Cause that thing was swelling shut. Like when Taz and them were talking about that, that was no lie. That thing was massive. My wife was like, I'm not watching this. What the hell is edge doing? Uh, so the beautiful Canadian boys beat the hell out of each other. I think Nick Wayne really stood out in this match. The way he caused interference and, and everything he was able to do helped a lot. Uh, I like the unprettier, like Edge hits an unprettier, which was like pretty cool uh, on Christian. I like the I like the finish. I kind of wanted. I kind of was looking forward to the feud between Luchasaurus and Edge, but maybe they're going to pull the trigger on that later. So we got this. I will say this leading into that. 
they did. I don't remember them telling us that if you won that match. And granted, they set up that battle royal like a week ago, and maybe I missed something. I don't remember them saying if you win this match, you could cash this contract in at any time. And if they did, I apologize, but I do not remember them doing that at all. Which is why I didn't predict the finish. The I predicted the finish different than what I did, but. Well, uh, it's it's not your yeah. fault. The the twenty man battle royal that that Luchasaurus won was in the pre show. Yeah, and and I nailed the, like who was going to win it, but I didn't realize that you could cash it in at any time. Oh, I thought we talked about that. Yeah, no. Well, we maybe we did, and I skated over it. I thought it was just like you get a, a title match or whatever, like just you know. At leisure, you get a title match. Like every other thing that they do on this show, if you win something, you get a title match. I didn't realize it was like a fucking money in the bank thing. Also, if they would have done 20 men with a ladder and that thing hanging from the ring, that would have been way cooler. (laughs) Especially since since 90% of the people in that match were doing dives anyways. (laughs) Instead of a battle royal, 20 men climb the mountain match. It's just one ladder in the middle of the ring. Do that next time. Uh, but but yeah, yeah. like uh, it, it was fun how it ended. I also love uh, Christian. I mean, Christian Cage has been great. He's he's phenomenal. Edge has not hit his stride yet in AEW. And uh, yeah, it's because Edge Edge expects to show up and be the biggest thing on the show, and that's not happening on AEW. I don't think the AEW fans give I feel like there's a lot of AEW fans that are carryover from TNA and have that Christian love the same as when Tony Khan brought him in. Fan base versus like the diehard WWE fans are like Edge is the legend. Cause like is he though? <laughs> like he's not Stone Cold is what I'm getting at. Is not he is not CM Punk. He's not Brian Danielson. Uh, edge nice barometers, bro. Nice barometers. Stone cold. How many people are stone cold? I I said I, I gave Brian Danielson. I gave you CM Punk. I, like he's not. He's he's that in WWE in the context of WWE, right? So it, it's it's going to be. I, I'm I'm wishing the best for Adam Copeland. So far, what I've learned is Christian's awesome and Adam Copeland's there. So. I don't know what it's going to take to make that barometer change. We'll have to continue with this uh, this feud to see, I guess. Uh, next match, big match for Mr. Eddie Kingston, I would say. He had a match against John Moxley. This is for the Continental Classic Triple Crown, the Ring of Honor World Championship, the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, and the inaugural AEW Continental Championship. Um. And him and Moxley just beat the living shit out of each other uh, for at least <laughs> 17 minutes, I think, was like at least 20 or maybe a little bit less than that. But uh, what the hell? They definitely, um, you know, they're friends. They were like, let's, let's just do it in the ring. And they uh, they did that. And um, I if Kingston didn't win this match, I was going to be incredibly disappointed, not because I don't like Moxley, just because he doesn't fucking need it. Um. And Kingston won this. This is kind of like a similar concept, you know, to have a triple crown, like a lot of his uh, people that he looks up to, like Kawada, 
which he did a couple pictures in the back, you know, very in celebration that looked similar to Kawada. Very similar to how uh, Gunther did it a long time ago with the Vader pictures. Um, just nice seeing Eddie with all his titles. He's so fucking natural. I love him on promos, like the one he had with, with Mox going into this. How it's like he's not going to go on script. He's going to say whatever the fuck he wants. You know, you just don't have a lot of the guys like that in wrestling. So, you know, whether whether the comparisons are, are to, towards Dusty-esque or, or Austin elements or Mick Foley elements, I just like Eddie Kingston. This was a really awesome match for him to win. And uh, I'm glad he's in this uh, this moment of his career, Chris. I really am. He almost sold his boots and packed up. All right, so I'm torn on this match because I think it went way too long. And they didn't work very long. And, and it wasn't a good version of the kind of match they were trying to have. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, you're dealing with two guys that are not the prettiest wrestling, I'll say. Okay, well, at the same time, last year we got Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre versus Gunther, and they basically had the same kind of match, and it looked a lot better, and it wasn't as long, and the storyline yeah. made sense. Right, so, like, and I'm just talking about American wrestling. I'm not even going to go into strong style wrestling or pull up matches from G1 that are similar to this. Uh, it got better when there was four minutes left to the finish. But before then, this was like kind of, of a slow build of them just slapping each other for a while. Completely agree with you. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm very happy for Eddie from this, but I've seen better mo- matches with him and Mox. I know they're both not the most graceful people. And uh, there was definitely a lot of that on display you know, as the match went. So I guess them, I don't know, maybe it's more realistic for them to look like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen them both work better with other people and themselves before in the past. Is, is Eddie Kingston one of the only people whose best matches in AEW was against Jericho? <laughs> because if you remember the Jericho-Eddie Kingston match, I was hoping for that. Like, yeah. it'll It'll start out with them brawling, and then they'll just eventually go to wrestling, right? They didn't do that. This was like, we're going to get on the ground. And Moxley, like, I know that they're telling the story of, like, Moxley's been in the Blackpool Combat Club. He's a great grappler. And here's how Eddie can get away from him. But he's a better striker. And they did a good job on commentary of telling that story, but it was a boring fucking story for 75% of this match. Was it a good match? Would I watch it again? Yeah, it was. I expected more out of those two, honestly. Uh, Even going back to matches we've seen them in previously. So, um, Like Eddie Kingston won, they they didn't LOL AEW us. Because I I was really going to get mad if Moxley won all of those belts. I was going to get super fucking pissed. I, I had a whole thing I was going to yell about this week, but they didn't go that route. I do like the setup of Eddie Kingston versus Tremberetta, though. I think that'll be a really good match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it, it was what it was, man. And 
you know, it, it was definitely squeezed in between, I think, the two best matches as well. So that kind of made it stand out a bit more. But I guess let's go over that last big match. Uh, Samoa I, Joe. I, I want to I say one thing before we go out, I go out of this. In the, in the new year, and this is something that goes across a lot of AEW, stop have, trying to have matches that have already happened. Yeah. Stop being like, oh, well, we tried to do Brett and Sean, or we tried to do a Kawada match, or we tried, like, do a U match. (laughs) Just fucking do a U match. Try that. If I wanted to watch those matches, I would just go watch those fucking matches. I would love to see Eddie Kingston do even some more chopping less, honestly. I know that he's going for a Kawada thing, and I would love to see John Moxley not have to jump out of the ring almost immediately upon most matches nowadays and fight the crowd. Um, I'd love to see him not do that once, you know. Um, that's kind of Sandman's side of him, I guess, when it comes to influence. Or uh, yeah, what's his man. name? Japanese guy. Uh, fuck. Um, damn it. FMWs. Uh, oh fucking now Onita. I'm sleeping on his name as well. Onita. Yeah, what I would say is for everyone that gives WWE shit for having WWE matches, these brawls are basically they're not AEW matches, they're just other people's matches. <laughs> it's the same yeah. goddamn thing. Like, so if you're looking for something like this was there was nothing in this match to write home about at all. Other than they chop the piss out of each other. I mean, you know, there's that. But there's also, like, Gunther and Drew McIntyre did the same thing, but it actually made sense, and it told a story. So there's ways to do it, and it makes sense. Like, don't, like, note for note. And the rapid chop thing that Eddie Kingston does is, uh, and I get that Inkawada did it in the 90s, and that's why he's doing it, whatever. It's it's fun. Do it one time, and don't do it on a fucking pay-per-view. I'm also just getting sick of the you hit me, I hit you fucking shit. When you make it tight and you make it much more aggressive in the middle of the match, it works. When you just do it for no fucking reason, it's kind of dumb. And I'm starting to see that way more and more. I understand the influence. You know, I get it. But like you said, um, it looks like it's almost like they're trying to do an All Japan match from the late 80s, early 90s. And they don't have as much grace especially Eddie, which I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm really trying not to rule him out. Like I said, I'm very happy for him, but he had a great match with Brian Danielson in the semifinals. He did. I just, this that's, was kind that's of, what I'm saying. Like Eddie Kingston can wrestle, just have a fucking wrestling match with Eddie Kingston. Yeah. I, I've said the same thing about Moxley as well. Every once in a while, it's okay to just have an actual fucking American wrestling match. Yep. It's a, it's okay to do. Like I said, like Kingston, my favorite match Kingston had was him versus Jericho. Like it was the best match he has had wrestling wise in AEW. That's because Jericho um, probably made him do his type of match. Good. <laughs> like have him wrestle Edge or Miro or like kiss Keith Lee. Like I, I like Eddie Kingston a lot. Just this this whole like call out to Japan. I don't know how that helps AEW at all at this point, but what whatever. Let's do it, I guess. 
I'm, I'm just tired of seeing that. And like you said, when you wrestled Brian Danielson, completely different match. And also the stand-up, you hit me, you hit you. We're going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom. There's some of that on the show, but then there's a lot of it where they make sure it makes sense when they do that. Yeah, because they're basing it off of NWA used to do it, but they used to do it better. Because like I said, when you're within the match and there's fucking aggravation getting involved, I'll, I'll go to a great example of this. Steamboat and Flair. The match is going on. They're fucking, they've been going at it for a while. And then you have a part where Ric Flair finally kind of snaps out of it. And maybe he does a little bit of a cheap shot or just slaps, you know, Ricky in the face. And then Ricky fucking hits him. And then Flair gets mad and hits him. And you have that a couple times. And finally, Ricky hits Ric Flair and he falls the fuck over. Like, that's been in wrestling for years. But this whole, like, I'm going to stop. You hit me. Like a display of, of strength. That's stupid. Yeah, and the Moxley one is even worse because they have to do the thing where they're about to make out for fucking two minutes before they start hitting each other. Maybe they should just make out. Just be yeah, they, they have to push each other's head. I wish that he would have done that. Like, I wish he was in NXT and done that against Velveteen Dream and Velveteen Dream just kissed him. Because <laughs> at least then it would have been fucking unique. You know what I mean? Don't, like, don't have a match with Dalton Castle, Mox. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> then at least it would be something different. <laughs> oh man. But all right. Well, it, but in any case, the match wasn't bad. If you're into watching a rerun, a badly done remake of a movie, then you'll like this match. Yeah. So it's Pet Cemetery. Um. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to write that. Jesus. All right. So the uh, championship match, AEW championship, kind of went exactly the way that I saw it. Because um, I thought Samoa Joe was going to win. Now you either have MJF re-signed, you keep him off for a while, let him heal up because he's beat the fuck up anyways. And you bring him in when you decide to bring him in um, to bring it, you know, to go against whoever at that point. And Samoa Joe gets a kind of a small run and uh, this is a fun match. Uh, I guess it really goes down to we found out, Chris, who the devil was. This is another situation where people are like, this predictable. And I'm like, yeah, it's predictable. But like, is that a bad thing necessarily? I mean, I, I understand that they had a very hard concept because I'm sure Going into this, before Adam got hurt, he was always going to be the devil. This was the ending point. So they decided to stick with it. I don't know how I feel about Adam leading the team, I guess, to win all the titles and shit. And what is Wardlow, his like Luchasaurus, where he's going to win the title for him or some shit. But Adam's not going to be in the ring for a while. So I guess he's going to help all those guys. You know, they got the Ring of Honor titles, and Adam talked about, you know, how the Kingdom also could use the other titles if they want. And Roddy's going for the uh, TNT title, and Wardlow is going to be going for the AEW championship. Made a joke about how he's going to give that title to him. You know, Wardlow didn't look too happy about that, but I don't hate it. It is predictable. And I, like I said, I think that they were in a really shitty place with the injury to Adam, so... They're going with it still. Was this probably supposed to be, assuming MJF sticks around him and Adam Cole, really in a fucking tight feud? Probably. But they had to deal with the cards they were dealt due to his injury. So I like the match. Good match. Samojo won. 
And it's good that we, we still have a mystery. And even Tony said, as of right now, he, he made it clear in the press conference that MJF no longer was on contract and that he hopes to get that taken care of. So, you know, I think he has him signed. He has had him signed and he's going to have him ride off, be a little bit off television for a while, get healed up and then come back in a big way um, for one of the next upcoming pay-per-views. So to start shit with the devil or the devil's grip. That's the biggest thing, though, Chris, because they also made Swerve Strickland have that promo off in the hallway with MJF. So you think that he comes back. They want to get to that somehow. He can't fight Adam Cole because Adam Cole's not clear to wrestle. So it's like, and who knows, maybe this is just MJF good. And he signs out and he lost and now he's done with and he's going to WWE. I have no idea. But like, what do you think about the match? How do you feel about the devil and the group? Was it underwhelming to you because it's too predictable? What do you think? I'll, I'll start with the match. I thought the match was really good selling the story of MJF's arm, him using every cheating tactic he could against the monster Samoa Joe to try to win the match. And it led to, oh, no, Adam Cole can't find the ring again, uh, which happened at the last pay-per-view where Adam Cole couldn't find the ring, except this time Joe was ready and choked his ass out. I like the submission finish. Um, because they could have easily done something different and still had Joe win. They went with, like, no, Joe knew he was looking for the fucking ring, choked his ass out. It it made Joe look less stupid, right? So that was great. Joe choked him out, left him in the middle of the ring, got the fuck out of there. I don't like the idea that Joe's been working with this devil group or whatever, like Joe's a kind of a heavyweight mercenary or they're going to come after him after that. Like what is Adam Cole going to do with a broken fucking leg against Samoa Joe? In fact, like what are any of these geeks besides Wardlow going to do against Samoa Joe? Maybe that's the storyline. Joe and Swerve are going to start their own group. Um, it's weird with, and I know this is a storyline, but Hey, shit changes. People get injured. Uh, I would have done something different. I would not have had Adam Cole there with his leg for the next. He's not going to be good until April. So for the next four months, you're going to get Adam Cole being the guy of this group without being able to actually walk or actually wrestle or do anything. And a guy who has been healthy less than CM Punk uh, coming back into a major title picture in theory, I think the idea of Joe becoming champ and uh, Swerve already calling Joe out is the way to go as far as the heavyweight title picture goes. If you get a couple more matches out of MJF and Cole, that's great. I like the fact that Juice came out on Dynamite immediately uh, and started shit, right? This group has already pissed off a bunch of people. I think that's good in case you need to disband this group quickly. I don't know that people really care about Wardlow anymore. Um, they spoiled the finish with <laughs> with the ROH tag team sliding in with their fucking belts, by the way, <laughs> on that. Uh, so I would I would say maybe don't slide in with your title belts because <laughs> they don't mean anything. It, 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 as far as in that storyline, you don't need to come in with your belts. Um, 
it's a great match. It's a really good match. MJF did some good storytelling, selling the arm. And uh, if anything, I would say that it, it's weird to look back at now after watching Okada sell his arm. <laughs> it's very different, two different styles. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be cool to see what MJF does next, regardless of if he stays in AEW or if he stays in or if he goes to WWE. I think there's a fun storyline there either way. But yeah, Adam Cole being the leader of a group with a busted ass leg and can't wrestle until April. Good luck with that. That's why I thought maybe they would change it up and do something different. In fact, if it was Jeff Jarrett, it probably would have made more sense than what they actually did. I kind of want that now. Uh, yeah, I just, and not only that, I'm not trying to be a dick. If Adam Cole can't wrestle and hasn't been able to wrestle since he got injured, he's not going to be doing a lot of uh, working out. And he's also going to have to wait until his leg's pretty healed up to be able to start working back in the ring to get better, to get in ring shape. So it's probably going to be even past April um, before he's even ready to fucking do a damn thing. So I don't, it's uh it's very unfortunate. I do like Adam Cole a lot. It's just, man, he's had some fucking bad luck for a while since he was the NXT champion. I feel like, like he was doing great. So, and then slowly, but surely just string of bad luck went to the main roster. They wanted him to fucking be the goddamn manager of who the hell was it? Like all that stuff, injury, injury, this injury. Kyle's hurt. Fucking Bobby's done. I don't know. Here's the other thing about MJF in this storyline is that. The devil was already kind of out there when he lost the title to him, when he did not beat MJF for the title. So the wraparound of this is I lost the title. I came up with this very convoluted plan to take down MJF and cost him the title. Yeah, it's it's. That's that's the part that I won the tag titles with him. Then I got hurt. Then, I feel like, like I. And this was they were doing a good job with it, even though I wasn't as big of a fan of the friend stuff with him and Adam Cole. It was still getting over Chris, but I feel like sometimes Tony makes things a little bit too complicated and too convoluted with his storytelling. Yeah, it's or it doesn't have enough story. Should have made the devil a big show, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. I, anything would have been better than what they did with Adam Cole, because Adam Cole can't wrestle until April. And look, like I like Adam Cole, but he's going to be a guy in a chair cutting a fucking promo. And they don't even know if MJF's coming back. Maybe they do. Yeah. Maybe he's secretly re-signed. But if they don't, and this is the devil group, you're going to have, in April, you'll get, <laughs> like, Switchblade versus Adam Cole. That's the payoff. It's just, yeah. There, there's a lot more. They, I mean, it may have actually been better if Joe was just the devil, honestly, and and you did that finish instead. Whatever, we'll see how it pays off. Who knows? I just, you know, MJF now has to run through a group of four people, but it's less of a problem 
because he also has the Bullet Club and the Acclaimed on his side. Because also within this storyline, for whatever reason, you had this group attack people that weren't just MJF's opponents and started shit with like 9,000 other people. So <laughs> it's... That that's the uh, that is the other problem of this is you set up like six angles within the same story. Uh, so the first time we actually see this group, they get chased off by the acclaimed. Yeah, the only flip I'll say that's a positive about all that is like you were alluding to the fact that when they had their promo, which I thought was it was good. And Adam Cole, you know, going back and forth. But I think the biggest thing is your problem is you're because you've already established. Adam says these guys tag team. Roddy's going for the international title or the TNT title, whichever one from those two. And then Wardlow's going for the big belt. Eventually, I'll get my belt. Blah blah. You're hoping Adam Cole can't wrestle and Wardlow's not over anymore. So now you, I mean, I guess he's. I don't know how that's going to get him back to the point where even as a heel. People are going to give a shit, but he's the only one that's legitimate out of all of them to go for any type of big title. It just, there are a lot of holes in it. But I did like, like I was trying to say, sorry, I did like that Jay White was pissed because he did get attacked and the acclaimed didn't forget that they got attacked. Um, Continuity, people forget about it. It happens in WWE all the time. And then later where we have the big ending of dynamite and you had swerve cut his promo and adam is pissed because he was also attacked by the devil so wants adam cole's blood and the and the uh the their whatever their group is undisputed elite or what i don't know what the fuck it was um oh it was the undisputed kingdom that's right because undisputed era kingdom gotcha um but we have adam page he's like i'm gonna fucking fight the next person that i See and Strickland's out there, so he just marches the fuck out, and they start beating the shit out of each other. Which <laughs> they have great chemistry. I just thought we were over that, but God, that's one thing. When Adam Page is pissed off, he does it really well, uh, especially uh, selling promos. So, really interesting way to go off Dynamite because Swerve called out Samoa Joe during that. So, I don't know. Uh, final thoughts about the ending of the pay-per-view and Dynamite before we go into New Japan. Yeah, I think the storyline with with Adam Cole's new group, not not necessarily for me. Um, mostly because of everything that I already stated. Hangman cut one hell of a fucking promo, angry promo. That's the Hangman you need. You need the cowboy shit, I'm going to fuck shit up, Hangman. I like him coming after Swerve, after coming back. Uh, that's fun. I like the idea of Joe laughing at those two chasing for his title. I don't know what you do with a tag team that we don't see on fucking TV because they're on Ring of Honor. Uh, even though we know them very well, but uh, like FTR still out there. So <laughs> like, where's FTR? <laughs> Where are the AEW tag belts right now? I guess is the a good question. Um, too many fucking belts. Maybe too many bells and whistles on the storyline. I probably would have changed it up and done something different if I knew Adam Cole was hurt. I think you could have told the same story, you know, five months from now. You could have had MJF still battling this group, even if you 
did a different devil and you're like, oh, but really, because if you're just going to go, really, it was this guy the entire time, which is what they have did. You could have done that in April when Adam Cole could actually wrestle. You could have just drug the storyline out. Uh, I like Samoa Joe as a transitional champion. I feel like it's going to be him and Swerve for the title at the next pay-per-view. I feel like Swerve should win that. Uh, Joe on the press conference is fucking incredible. I like when someone said, who's next for you? He asked, he has to question back. He's like, who's your favorite? I'll whip their ass. Which is fucking great. Because Joe's the best. He is. Fucking great. The modern Harley race to me. He's such a badass. He's a man's man. He's fucked. You don't fuck with him. You know, or you get the back of his hand, dude. You know what I'm saying? I like he said, I don't care about a TikTok YouTube title. We're turning this thing back into a normal title. Talking about the Burberry belt. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was He's great. Like, Fuck all this. I love I Samoa Joe is fucking great. He's just put in a weird position of like, oh, the devil's here now and all this shit. And he's like, oh, this is stupid, but whatever. <laughs> I got to say also one thing about Dynamite. I liked it for the majority of it. You know, the biggest thing you showed, you're, you got a new champion in Samoa Joe. And at the beginning of the show, you show the footage of him right after his match that you put on social media immediately afterwards. Obviously, I know that not everyone who watches the show looks at the social media, but shouldn't we have gotten something new from your new fucking champion on the follow-up show? Yeah. Well, they, they tease that he, he was dodging people this week. So they did address it on commentary. He's going to be on next week. So they, they played it into the Samoa Joe is cal- a calculated champion, uh, which I'm which I'm OK with. Uh, one one thing I you know, something I didn't think about, which would have made complete sense. You could easily just made Don Callis the devil. And added to the Don Callis family. To get out of what they were currently doing. That would have been brilliant. But yeah. Because right now, if I'm looking at like groups that I'm scared of, Don Callis' group is like fucking way scarier. (laughs) Like Will Ospreay out here dropping fuckers on their head. (laughs) Takeshka just absolutely demolished Darby Allen. So Oh, dude, that match was dope, by the way. Great job from those two of having an outstanding match. Um, yeah, and Takeshka fucking just destroyed him at the end. One of the craziest spots I think I've seen in a long time, when he rolled down the ramp, they just basically did like a little like somersault roll down the ramp together, and then Takeshka yeeted Darby Allen into a German suplex. <laughs> Jesus. Darby Allen's crazy. It was a great match. Yeah, he usually just comes up to wrestlers and just gives them like the short list of things I won't do, and there's like two things on there, and that's it. It's like, oh shit, open field. So I'm going to throw you off a building during this match. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm going to Mount Everest next month. But, uh, yeah. Crazy, the maniac. Yeah, it. The only thing that sucks about that is like, 
you know, Darby catches another L in singles competition. He's 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 catching L's like the Miz out here. Killer storyline when you know the only thing anyone really wanted out of that was Darby Allen versus MJF for the title. That was a smart move. You know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four pillars. That's hilarious. <laughs> you got one that's real rusty, and the other one that's kind of there, but like, you know, I don't know. Maybe two out of four. Let's, let me just say that. I'm not trying to be a dick, but um, if I was Darby Allen, I would stop killing myself in the ring to be pushed as a mid card guy that's going to take a bunch of pins for everybody else. I agree with you, man. I completely agree with you. All right, well, should we go to the Orient, the Japan wonderful fucking pay-per-view that was the Wrestle Kingdom 18, of course, in the Tokyo Dome in Japan. This was, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, I was so happy at the end result from the main event that, and I really think that Sonata has raised his stock uh, since he's won that title. Because I, we've always thought that Sonata was a good wrestler. I mean, shit, he's like the star pupil of, of Keiji Muto. So, you know, he's he's graceful. He just is very fluid in the ring with most of his stuff. And now that he's turned into this more dominant heel, and he's not like as carefree, and he's doing less of the paradise lock and some of the, uh, I, I'll just say, sillier things that he would have done. Um, man, he's a fucking beast. But this this pay-per-view was a lot of fun. And as I told you, I got only two things ruined for it. You know, I made it home, took a nap, and was able to get through everything until me seeing the results for one of the main events on the internet right as that main event was starting in front of me. But, you know, shit happens. Some guy named Dolph was there, too, I guess. My sh- the entire fucking pay-per-view got ruined for me, basically, because of the winner of the G1. Uh, mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little frustrated Dane, talking about this, but it was a it was a good good show with a great fucking match. <laughs> Already a top ten contender of 2024, which we will get into. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's get through some of the early matches. Um. So the first match that we had, these will be kind of quick because I don't even remember this match itself. But I will say TJP, uh, this was for the tag team. I'm not going to go that much in detail because I don't remember it, but this is for the junior uh, tag team championships. And uh, TJP and friends, uh, what is it, Francesco Akira uh, went against uh, Drilla Mahoney and Clark Connors. Clark is now also done with New Japan. That was also another headline. And everything I've seen from Clark, uh, especially when he was in AW for a couple times for matches, really good wrestler. So I think that anyone should grab that little cowboy if they get a chance to. But he was a part of uh, of the group or the new iteration of uh, Bullet Club, David Finley. But anyways, TJ Payne. He's got down this new look. He's fucking. He's got a mask that he's wearing. That's like a mutilated face. He's jacked. Totally changed his look. Thought it was really cool. 
don't remember much of the match, but uh, TJP ended up getting the win, so that's good. Let's talk about Tanahashi dethroning Jack's, or Zack Sabre Jr. from the New Japan World Television Championship. Where did Zack, I think he won, didn't he win that at Dominion? Or was it last Wrestle Kingdom? I can't remember, but uh, so now the, 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 the boss um, himself, Tanahashi, in less than 10 minutes, he took out Zack Sabre Jr. I just, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this one. I found the ending a little awkward. Like, the pin was in the middle. Like, I, I don't think anyone got screwed over or anything like that. But it just seemed very abrupt. And, like, maybe the ref fucked up or something. And there was supposed to be a longer match. Um, because Zach looked a little bit annoyed afterwards. And just, you know, he came up to Tanahashi and they shook each other's hands. Tanahashi was just talking to him. So, I, I don't know. Maybe there wasn't anything weird with this, but it just came off a little strange. But either way, Tanashi, the New Japan Pro Wrestling president and the IWGP television champion. Chris. Yeah, it was a little weird of how that ended. I think maybe it was a time constraint or something would be my guess because nothing else in their match looked off. This is also not the best match that those two have had together. So maybe they both were just kind of frustrated. Uh, Tanahashi. The man needs a rest. (laughs) He needs a rest, honestly. Uh, But yeah, it's fine. He's a, he's, he's got one of their belts. They got a bazillion fucking belts. Do you Um, think, do you think the idea is that Matt Riddle will take that belt from him and then that will be on the line when he goes against Zack Sabre Jr. for their match? I think that is the case. Is that okay? The, and then you will see uh, whatever new American televised product that they have going on. Honestly, yeah. and then Tanahashi can come back to go against Matt Riddle. Uh, Matt Riddle versus Zack Sabre Jr. should be a fucking banger of a match, though. That'll be Hell really yeah. good. Talking about catch catch wrestling. Uh, that's that's the one you're going to be looking for. I am really excited about getting a more MLW evolved version of Matt Riddle again. Not that he was bad at what he was doing in NXT or WWE. Cause I think he showed that he could do that as well, but uh, it's not really his bread and butter. So I, I I'm excited to see what that happens. Hopefully he stays out of trouble. I like Matt Riddle a lot. So I, I hope that he can stay clean and have like a really good run in new Japan in a really good run in MLW or Impact or wherever the wherever the hell else they're gonna let him go because he's not gonna live in Japan because that man needs his weed. So <laughs> I I don't think he's signing a long term contract there. Uh, I, I wonder if Matt's like, hey GCW MLW, I'll work with you guys, but I'm not gonna sign down to a major contract, but you can use me. And he told New Japan the same thing, like I just want I want to be a part of big pay per views, but I just don't want to be held down by a contract. Um, Matt Cardona did it, you know? Like, I mean, a good feud for him would be him and Matt Cardona. Who's the true yeah. king of bros? Him or Cardona? Because Cardona is clearly a bro, but so so is Matt Riddle. <laughs> he is a bro. He's a bro ski. <laughs> so if you will. That would be, that would be a really fun uh, GCW death match there. Uh, shout out to Matt Cardona, by the way, for just like 
paving your own path, bud. He's like, I like action figures. I'm done with WWE. Fuck it. I'll just wrestle everywhere and collect action figures. Do a podcast. Good for you, dude. I, and also a super nice guy when we met him. So shout out, Man, shout out to Matt Cardona. Smoking hot wife that also works for WWE still. So one hell of a power couple, the two of them. Um, all right. So let's move on. This next no, match, uh, there were there were there was one other thing I wanted to say. Shit, fuck. Um, no, 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 no. So we have no, Tanahashi, and he went against Zack Saber Jr. And there's Matt Riddle that we talked about. I'm just backtracking, basically. Um, yes. That oh, so 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 with Tanahashi, the big thing that's coming out now is a lot of people are leaving their contract deals. Um. There seems to be a lot of activity between New Japan and TNA right now, and they there also seems to be a lot of them not re-signing Gaijin talent over the past year and a half. Do you think they're going to try to work out another deal with Impact again or TNA again to bring in people like Josh Alexander, Alex Shelley, um, Chris Sabin, for instance? Because they're going to have to have people from different countries for G1. They always do, right? So do you think they're going to lean more into that, or do you think they're still going to go to the AEW bank and see what they can get out of that? Because we know there's going to be one more Brian Danielson Okada match based on how the finale of the main event sets up. Yeah. uh, Hmm. You got me thinking, because... Well, one thing that they did did that I think was a good idea is kind of mend the fences with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. We'll talk about a match coming up with their biggest superstar and kind of have been, you know, interworking with them. And like you said, I think what they should do is use AEW for a big, big fight feel. Or if you can get so-and-so from for the G1 or for this thing, like how they have Daniel Sin involved with Okada, great. But a more... I think it would be it would make a hell of a lot more sense to if you want something a little more often than work with Impact uh, on TNA because and here's the thing with AEW and Impact neither one of them seem to care if the other works with with uh, New Japan they still have a decent relationship so if everyone's happy and you can make the uh, the ponds with a couple different fish varieties within them to replenish them then I think that that's a good thing and a win win for everyone. Um, Shit, have you heard about how WWE's been like now and I guess in the talks with all Japan of trying to make a working relationship again with them? I have not, but it makes sense now that they're signing every Japanese female that they absolutely can out of start. <laughs> Triple no, all joking aside, Triple H has been trying to either buy New Japan or set up something in Japan or work with all Japan. For what five years we've talked about this on the podcast for a long time um when he was talking about doing his territory system it was continental territory systems um not surprised about that at all but yeah what does that mean if you're aew you're like yeah but we got a contract with DDT, you know <laughs> what 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 does that the mean contract for with DDT. <laughs> uh, no, D- DDT. It seems like everyone D- is. D- D- DDT wrestling. 
yeah. If Impact's working with New Japan, it's like... And, yeah, we got DDT. Oh, well, that's good, guys. Hey. It, it's 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 crazy. But I do, like, like I said, I, I like seeing some of the guys from Noah show up on there, too. So, if you interact, like I said, give us some more matches, more different situations, more feuds that we've never seen. I think that's the best thing for this industry. We we should talk about this before we move on, since we brought up Noah. Uh, Great Muda's kayfabe daughter debuted at Noah. <laughs> yep. Which was great. I love... Oh, wait, the, so that's kayfabe? It's kayfabe. Oh, I thought it was really her daughter. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so Muda found a baby on top of a mountain. <laughs> oh my god, you're kidding me. No, this is the story. Oh, hear, me, hear me out. So Muda found a baby on top of a mountain, brought it down from the mountain, trained her, spit the mist in her face, and then it brought the great Sakuya. Which I'm like, hell yeah, dude, this is a Tekken-ass storyline. I love it. So, so into this. Muda's daughter... I hope that she wrestles Charlotte Flair at some point, even though it's not Muda's real daughter. But it's like it's fucking great that it's also Kayfabe. Now the question I have though, do you know if did KG as did he help her like teach her, or I'm is ass- it just- I'm assuming that he trained her, right? <laughs> like, otherwise, why would he go through all the effort to set up this storyline? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, oh, that's but- awesome. It's pretty great. So for anyone right. out there that we sees Muda's daughter, daughter. We need an Undertaker daughter. I think that would be important. Well, yeah, but then it's like part Michelle McCool, and you know it's going to suck in the ring. No, she's... Well, fine, we need Kane's daughter. Fake daughter. Okay. Uh, well, then she's going to be a Republican gun toter. That might actually be fun as a heel character. Just change it up a little bit. Uh, no, no. All joking aside, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like and Noah, and probably New Japan slash Stardom. Uh, that's cool. I I bet that gets signed to WWE very quickly. Yeah, no shit. Well, anyways, that that was so random and awesome to to find out. I didn't know it was a kayfabe concept, but that's still just. Just badass. I love wrestling. Um, hey, remember, okay. in my situation, the big show's father is definitely Andre, okay? Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on. Could I'm you cool. imagine, speaking of which, before we get there, <laughs> could you imagine if Christian was the leader of the Dungeon and Doom then? He's like, in, in Andre, like, big show's father, he's dead dead. yeah (laughs) jesus christ he's he's the kevin sullivan dude i i hope christian does that at one point in his career he just becomes kevin sullivan oh my god bro so (laughs) i i just remember this so i remember being mad as a wrestling fan i obviously knew that Paul White wasn't really the son of andre the giant but when he first went to wwe remember when he had that fucked oh wait that was Big Boss Man. I'm getting him mixed up. Didn't didn't they take his father, like who's in his casket and like tied it up to his car, 
Wasn't that Big Show when he first fucking signed? Or am I going crazy? Like, he was having a thing with Big Show, and at one part, he went to his dad's funeral and took his fucking casket and attached it to the car and drove it off, and Big Show was on top of the casket getting driven off like when he first came over as Paul White. Moral of the story is, I was mad because that proved that in kayfabe, Big Show's dad wasn't Andre. So I was I was upset about that storyline. So that was a great story. Um, Chris, do I still got you? Or do you just hate me? Chris? Chris, can you hear me? Hello? Chris? Yeah, dude, it was it was crazy. Uh, big boss man in that casket, just getting trailed around behind the car. Man, shit used to be wild back then. Uh, makes you really wonder about the House of Black. What are they doing? They're not pulling. They're not pulling bodies around behind the car. No, nah, man, they need to get back on that or try to find Katie Vick or some shit. Actually, don't do that at all. That was a terrible fucking suggestion. Um. God, storylines from Vince Russo for that $5 million. Uh, yeah, let's go to the next match. So, so these wait, next two. I have one more thing about the big show. So, I know you were more of a WWE guy, but when he came into the, uh, <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom or whatever with Kevin Sullivan, do you remember them throwing the shirt at Hulk Hogan? They were like, this is the shirt that you tore off in the interview, and then you had that match at WrestleMania, and then, <laughs> then Andre died. This is his son. Yep. I told, dude, those vignettes are so weird. They look like something from, like, uh, like Legends of the Hidden Temple. And it was, like, this weird fucking set with rocks everywhere, and Kevin would have the Zodiac or fucking Bruce Barber Beefcake and the Sharks a.k.a. Earthquake, and all the other weirdos around him, talking to his father, who was another wrestler. I forgot who the fuck his dad was, but su- such bizarre stuff. Like, that's right around the time as, like, Power Rangers, and WWE also was really cartoony in, in the uh, the early mid-'90s. Uh, so that was a lot of uh, fun, of uh, weirdness. But, yeah, remember him showing up. Was it, wasn't there a part where, like, Hulk Hogan was, like, what this water's not hot, and like that was that freaked him out for some fucking reason. That's that's when he got taken down to the dungeon for the first time, and he was like, "What is this place? There's no Hulkamaniacs here, brother. It's water. <laughs> it's not hot." <laughs> You're like, "Okay." Also, he threw Big Show, <laughs> Paul White, the Giant, off a building. And then he came back to interfere in Hogan's match later in the night. Like, and not off a small building, but like a, a big garage. Because they had a fucking a monster truck battle first. The hell was the storylines for early Nitro? <laughs> I don't know, but this sounds awesome. AEW should do it. <laughs> yeah. I need I need 
Christian Cage versus Edge in a fucking monster truck battle. It would be it would be epic. Luchasaurus right. is just driving around in that giant dinosaur thing that eats cars. <laughs> talking about from like the nineties. <laughs> It shoot it shoot flames out of his mouth and pick up destroyed cars at monster truck rallies. Maybe I'm too redneck. I forgot you you grew up up north. Anyways, there's a giant dinosaur that eats cars with its mouth. I know about motherfucking monster trucks. I've been around. I've been here in Georgia since '97. I think. Anyways, but uh, next match. The next few matches, like I was saying uh, before we had this amazing conversation about the Dungeon of Doom, a lot of younger talent. And all these guys really intrigued me. We had a feud. I don't know much about the storyline behind it, but uh, uh, Yoda Suji, or is it Yoda Suji? Yeah, Yoda Suji, who he had a match where he beat, was it Tetsuya Naito? But up-and-coming guy, really creepy smile. He's had a problem with uh, Yuya Yuramura since he's returned to New Japan. Yuramura spent the summer doing some awesome stuff at TNA, uh, involving himself with um, uh, Joe Hendry and being his partner. And they ended up having a match where the loser leaves town and he lost. But as uh, said by one of the commentators, his frame and his style, you know, it, he has that like that um, steamboat or or uh, tiger mask, um, that type of build to him, and he's very athletic. Uh, for a babyface, I think I, I see a lot of potential. He ended up winning, which I didn't see coming. I thought the guys had a good match, but you know they seem to be pretty high on Suji uh, as well. So these are definitely two dudes. We'll talk about some more coming up that. They're going to be they're, – they're, they're the stars in the making, if you will, for New Japan. Yeah, I was surprised Suji lost this match because he's getting kind of – he's been getting kind of a giant push, and he seems to be one of the most over people in Japan in general right now. So I was a little surprised by that. But uh, also someone uh, – God, not Brian Alvarez, but uh, – Big Vinny V pointed out, if you wore white on this pay-per-view, you were super fucked. Because everyone that wore white on this pay-per-view called an L. Really? Uh, yeah. So, uh, it was very much the bad guys going over. But yeah, I, I think the crowd was kind of shocked when, when he lost here. So Yamura is a great wrestler as well. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what New Japan looks like headed into the G1 and what the G1 is going to look like, honestly. Uh, if I'm Darby Allen, I'm trying to get in that G1, bro. Or at least in the Super Juniors before the G1. Yeah, that would be fucking dope. I would love to see Darby involved in that. Especially, like, should him and Hiromu Takahashi have a match? Or is that a yes. terrible idea? I think we've, no, I think we've talked about that. <laughs> Well, I mean, Darby's not going to suplex him on his neck, so there's that. <laughs> you know? Jesus. Him and El Desperado, I thought, almost killed each other. We'll talk about that match uh, in a second. Yeah, Desperado is fucking phenomenal on this card. Yeah, like, uh, Darby... Darby needs to be in the Super... He needs to be in that Super Juniors tournament. Make that happen, TK. Get on it. Or we'll be mad. All right, next match we had... So, House of Torture... 
just jumped Shota Umino and Kaito. Uh, I always screw up his name, so I'm going to try to go. Kaito Koyamiya, uh, gentleman from Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, who everyone, I mean, if you look at him, you can understand why. Compared to Okada, uh, Okada's a big fan of him himself too, but they kind of had a storyline where Okada went over to Pro Wrestling Noah and just beat his ass. And so we've seen the progression of him slowly coming back on New Japan. I think there's obviously they're they're interested in him, but it's so weird to see like here's a guy in his early twenties that's inspired by Okada. When I first started watching wrestling in 2016, Okada was the young guy that I was watching him solidify. It's it's just another one of those situations. Anyways, sorry for the rambling, but uh, House Torture just uh, attacked with all the members ahead of time. Ren Narita and Shota Umino have been having this rivalry, apparently. Ren Narita, Shibata's fucking basically like evil uh, twin, if you will, that he uh, trained. But good stuff by all the guys. I thought evil was awesome. So is evil basically like Roman Reigns meets like um, uh, like Undertaker from when he was in the uh, Ministry of Darkness? Is that what we're going for? I mean, it's cool. It's working for him. That's for damn sure. And he ended up winning, so sucks for the baby faces. But man, Shota Umino, Red Shoe's son, uh, little you know John Moxley's buddy. He's a he's a lot of fun to watch, man. He's a, he's definitely another guy that I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to him in the future, Chris. Evil is one of the few people in New Japan that I think could be booked better elsewhere. But yes, he is kind of exactly what you said. Um, because Japan doesn't lean into mysticism or anything like that, he is just like corporate undertaker and um, just like a straight shooter badass. But like, I think that would be, I think he could make a lot of money in Impact or AEW as just like, oh, he's crazy. Like if he joined House of uh, House of Black, for instance, and wanted to do the same kind of gimmick, I think it would be probably more over than anything they have in house black, but in Japan, it doesn't really work. Like, I, I don't know why that is. Uh, I mean, they lean more into like, like Muda for instance, than something like what evil is trying to do, which is like a metal, like death bringer kind of thing. Grim Reaper. Uh, which, which is fine. But like, if you threw him in house of black and he's the cleanup crew for the house of black or something like that would work. Yeah, uh, especially if he never talked. Um, and, and Evil is great. He's great. He's great matches with Okada the past couple of G1s. Go check those out. But yeah, he's he's always kind of been in a weird spot. And he's in a weird spot now where it's almost the Naito spot where it's like you have nothing left to do except win the title and have your big Tokyo Dome moment. But I don't know if you're ever going to get there, bud. So it kind of sucks uh, to be evil. Isn't he married? Who is he married to? Is he was he was with um, the women's champion. Um, fuck, uh, Io Shirai, I believe. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, he would be a good if they could get him. That would suck for New Japan, but if they could get him, because he's been kind of a constant. And he is a guy. He's like kind of like their Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. I, I mean, he gets that. more wins than Dolph Ziggler, but like they're definitely like, we need a good match, and they throw evil out there, right? Uh, 
but yeah, it's I don't know. Evil's a, he's a weird character in Japan because it doesn't really fit what they do, and he hasn't done a great job of because he was part of Lij and. Yeah, almost like I'm like I'm kind of like Kenny Omega the sweeper a little bit. Like I'm kind of that guy in this group, but he's never really kind of came into his own. Uh and and I think that might just be because the character he wants to portray just doesn't work in the Japanese style. I think here here's a here's a idea. You know what it kind of reminds me of? When it was L I J, obviously there's Bushi, but like it really was Bushi was kind of the veteran that was there, but it was about the relationship between the three of them, Evil, Sonata, and the leader, Naito. And I feel like if you compare them to a trio over in American wrestling that started around the same time, The Shield, Evil kind of is the Moxley in the group. And one of the best things that Moxley did, even though he won the title in WWE, it didn't really mean anything because they really wouldn't concentrate on him. So when he left... He was able to become himself and build himself the way that he saw he should be built. So maybe Evil just needs a change of scenery because obviously, unfortunately, New Japan doesn't see him any other way. And he needs to go and get some new scenery somewhere else. Yeah, there's something about Evil's character that just feels super American that doesn't work with the rest of everything he's involved in. You know what I mean? Can we, like, can we get a match between him and Mil Martez? That'd be fucking awesome. No, that would be fucking great, right? Like, yeah, but I mean that that like I said, I think that translates. Mil Mortes works though in, in Mexico. So. Yes, he does. <laughs> I don't know the evil works in Japan the way I I just, I just don't think the J- the Japanese audience gives a fuck about mysticism, really. Well, maybe. Well, we'll see in the future. Like I said, this whole concept of a partnership between All Japan and NXT is very intriguing. Maybe they'll need some good, talented wrestlers that if they don't want to be treated any more a certain way, they can have an option to be, you know, shown off in some type of NXT All Japan hybrid concept. I have no clue what the fuck that is, but, you know, it's WWE behind it. So they have more choices in Japan is what I'm saying to get over and get bigger to a mainstream audience uh, without having to go over to the U S besides new Japan, obviously. What I would, what I would do is evil. If I was said and I wanted to stay in Japan forever is I would pick the most evil person I could go against in their federation and then lose the name evil and come back with a different name because he's too goddamn good to not be more over than he is, but he is tied to that gimmick uh, very hard. Or I, you know, join the bullet club and like, I don't know, something to change the character, but the they love like the Japanese audience loves the character. It's just, a, it's such a weird thing because it's, it's uh, he is kind of in the spot of like a stinger undertaker in that group. And he catches a bunch of losses because of it. Regardless of how good he is in the ring. Well, he won at least tonight. So uh, we'll move on to someone else that we were already talking about that also, I think, definitely to himself felt underappreciated. But Tamatanga, Shingo Takagi, for the Never Openweight Championship. This went 13 minutes. Um, I mean, both these guys are fucking awesome. Can I just say that 
Well, besides the fact that I'm sure Shingo was like, okay, so we agreed it. I'm going to put the title over on Tom Tonga. And if he's serious, it's like, no, peace out. I'm fucking done. Uh, that kind of sucks for Shingo. But can we get the dragon versus the dragon? Like, don't get me wrong. I want another Okada-Danielson match, but I want to see Danielson and fucking Takagi. I think that would be awesome. Um, but this was a good match. Tamatanga won, and we already talked about what happened afterwards. He said, basically, I'm piecing the fuck out my contract stuff. So, very Tamatanga-esque thing to do. Yeah, but it was a weird interview with Tamatanga, though, because it wasn't his aggressive, normal style, I guess, on the interviews. And usually he cusses a bunch of people out and shit. <laughs> um, that makes me actually think he was serious, honestly. It makes me he think he was serious, but it makes me think he was going to AEW. Yeah. Uh, well, we heard, I don't know who reported it, but apparently he was in talks with NXT, but who knows if that's fucking true or not. AEW is definitely, I guess, the other place that we would assume to see him at. Um, well, well, in AEW, he still has the crossover ability for New Japan, right? Yes. Triple H needs to get that figured out, and I said that four or five years ago when we were talking about when AEW started up, how do you stop AEW from being a threat? I said, hire all the New Japan talent, make a working relationship there, and then they fall on their face. Which is true. It really is. Now that they're bringing in New Japan talent all the time for pay-per-view matches to make a big match, if your big match is, you know, Tamatanga versus like Solo Sokoa, you you win, right? So, I mean, that's a possibility. We don't know what New Japan's going to do. Tanahashi is the he's the president now. <laughs> what is that going to look like hanging out with Tony Khan? He's like, you kept trying to to hug Okada, and he clearly didn't want it. <laughs> We're going to sue you. <laughs> it's true though. That was <laughs> for sexual sexual harassment on. <laughs> We, we are the safest locker room. No one feels unsafe. By the way, Tony, you said, seemed, you said Tony, if that's true, you said you were scared for your life at the pay-per-view in England. So obviously, if you're scared for your life, it might not be the safest. Whatever. Uh, Okada seemed very, he felt like he, he seemed like he was very unsafe on that. It's like Brian Dielton's like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. He's great. Don't worry about it. Just come over to them, please. Okada's like, oh no, buddy. He just kept trying to hug me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like they'll put me against Roman Reigns if I go to WWE. I don't know if I'm I do want to point out that hugging is not a big thing in Japanese culture, and then Tony Khan should know that, but <laughs> like fuck. Yeah. Just awkward. Uh, yeah. But anyway, any in any case, Tamatanga. Like I've always said, what, man. What would he? What would he do if he shows up in AEW? It, let's 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 pretend that they're not just going to have the whole ass tag team show up in WWE. If it's just Tamatanga, they're like you're AEW bound. What would you do with him? What would be the first thing he does? Um, he's in AEW. I think, especially since there's not a lot for Jay to do, maybe have it him taking it right to Jay White. Immediately getting that over with. Because here's the problem also with Tamatanga. They're different, but I feel like 
especially since this man has a chip on his shoulder, you're going to have a very similar vibe to Strickland. So keep him kind of in a different element, maybe kind of put him on collision, um, but build him up, you know, and, and I would him and Jay White having some battles and shit like that, especially if the brother gets involved. Um, or then, then there's also if you get Gorillas of Destiny in your tag division, you might want to fucking use them. So there's that, too. Um, but then you can still do stuff in Japan. But, yeah, the first person would probably be Jay White. And here's the follow-up question. What would you do in WWE? If it's WWE, man, I really, I'm trying to find a scenario of like a certain, that one's a little bit I I have one. Do you want to hear mine? Sure. He shows up with Cody. The boys, and he's like, Yeet, let's go. <laughs> starts a feud. immediately starts a feud. <laughs> well, you talk about here's an idea if they were to put him on the main roster, especially since we don't know what he's doing. Um, like if he's right now in the process of going to WWE, if they put him maybe in the Rumble to give him a little bit of rub and have a, a cool. You know, he eliminates a bunch of people and then gets eliminated by his old buddy, AJ Styles. And then you could do him and AJ. AJ's trying to help Tamatanga get to a different level. Shit, you can bring his dad into it and explain that Haku's his fucking father or some shit, you know. But I could see them going to NXT or waiting for Tonga Low to be healed up and they start as a tag team on the main roster. But I think Tamatanga has it by himself to be a huge wrestler. The dude is. He is the the embodiment of the feud between Roddy Roddy Piper and Jimmy Snuka and a fucking wrestler. Yeah, he's so great on the mic. But that that would be the one thing that would maybe hinder him in WWE. Can he do that PG? PG-13. Yeah. I used to think that Will Ospreay would have that same problem, and I think he's figuring it out that same Yeah, did he figure it out? He figured it out because, like, Fortnite. He's like, bruv, bruv, I'm a British guy playing Fortnite, bruv. But, That's... yeah, I think he'd he definitely have to tame that. But I'm sure he keeps up with fucking uh, Rikishi and the Usos. I'm sure they'd all have his back. He might be, dude, that's another thing. You can get him involved with the bloodline. I mean, yeah, to get, to get over in wrestling is to just yell shit from Fortnite and, and social media. Uh, so like yeet, that's like one and a half year old, but like because Uso said it, it's cool again. <laughs> so <laughs> and they got the right. You just do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I like that some other wrestler just got paid like five hundred thousand dollars for the the rights of yeet, <laughs> on which is just a term people use online. I copyrighted that. It's like how do you? Okay. Dane, I'm going to start copywriting stuff on this show <laughs> that you say. You're like, that's my thing. I'm like, no, I own it. <laughs> so when it starts making money, you'll have to sue me or pay me to get the rights to it. Well, you are uh, fine. If you wake up and you immediately go to sleep from some chloroform, you're like, you set your own bed. 
set your own mattress. Yeah, I'll just show up in a fucking Ari Oster movie, wearing a white Jeez. robe, walking around, being like, what the fuck's going on? Cats and Clover. Like, I heard. The movie, the movie of Christopher Ray Pat. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you own the rights to peace out, you guys. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. All right. all right, let's move on. Next match, I don't remember that much at all. I kind of think I, I made dinner during this, but um, El Fantasmo and Hikaleo went against uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi and took the IWGP uh, championship, the tag championships from them. So good job. I think I also heard El Fantasmo is wrapping up with his um, time in New Japan. So that's an interesting. It, I'd love to see him back in Impact. He was he had a great run there, so I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I, I I thought I read that, Chris. But uh, yeah, they're at least right now. Him and Hikaleo are the tag champs, and they beat Goto and Yoshihashi. And apparently, the like the audience definitely sounded like it. They they were very sad because they love uh, the two of them over there. I don't really care for either one. So sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, this is one I fast-forwarded through, so I can't comment about anything in the ring. But yeah, it was it's there. about what's going on. The next four matches are like boom, 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 boom. You know, my God, dude. So remember a couple of years ago, and I don't want to bring this up, but when Dragon Lee did that one suplex thing that Kota Bushi does, and Hiromu Takahashi just basically had his neck smashed off his head, looking like something from The Exorcist. So mm-hmm. he, he came back. We were all like, yes, you know, and we thought that he's going to tone this down, obviously. And now try to get killed. <laughs> no, man, him and El Desperado, who are good friends in real life, have great chemistry matches, I will say. We're trying to murder each other out there. Like, I thought there was literally going to be cops called during the fucking event. Um, and not only that, which is great because I like El Desperado. He's, he's a huge fan of, uh, Ultimo Dragon. That, that was his mentor, if you will, or I don't know if he actually taught him anything, but he went, he's Japanese, got really good at Japanese wrestling, went to Mexico, stayed a stint there, tried to get better at Lucha Libre and came back to become the wrestler. Very similar in aspects. And he's great. Uh, it was weird, though, that Hiromu lost. And what the fuck was he wearing to the ring? He had, like, octopuses, like, off his <laughs> jacket. And it didn't help because as soon as he got in the ring, El Fantasmo just ran and fucking shuck and drop kicked his ass. And he had this giant costume on, so he uh, didn't didn't really help the situation that well to start off with. But I love Hiromu. The audience loves Hiromu. You love Hiromu. I thought Desperado, you could use a win. You know what I'm saying? Like, on on uh, against Romu, but uh, is dude Takahashi is he fucking crazy? Dude, he's fucking crazy. He wants to get dropped on his neck. He broke his neck. They fixed his neck, and he was like, you know what? <laughs> Let's test this out. He's like, I'm built different. <laughs> Just drop drop me on it again, fam. Um, I mean, to be fair, there's another guy in this main event that is the same way. So. Oh. And they're uh, the same group. Yeah. Brian Danielson's the same way, so I can't really hate on one and not the other. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about Naito. 
Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, him too. <laughs> yeah, all three of them, dude. Fuck. Uh, and Will Ospreay. Jesus. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, they're just, they're built different, obviously. They they cross Snake's way. <laughs> they came back. They came back. Different. They came back to Earth from Snake's way. So they've actually okay. already died. And then they came back, Dane. So it's okay. Because they've already died once. So. Use the Dragon Balls and push them back. It's fine. Um, <laughs> all, all joking aside, crazy match. I love Desperado. They need to use him better in AEW because he's fucking phenomenal. And if you're Triple H and they don't re-sign that contract and they don't figure out what they're doing with Desperado, that's your new luchador. That's your... They've been trying to re- replace Ray for years as Desperado. He's going to get over great name buy the rights to desperado the song throw it out there copyright the fuck out of it have that guy go out there and have banger after banger after banger after match because desperado is fucking great it's fucking great it's a good match yes it was all right so the next match we had david finley will osprey john moxley this was determining um so essentially we had the u.s title USL was one from was it Moxley who dropped it to Osprey? I forgot exactly who dropped it to Osprey. He made it the UK title, and they're like, "Fuck this!" Even though we combined the Intercontinental title with our heavyweight title, we're gonna make a belt called the Global Title that looks exactly like our old Intercontinental title, except for it doesn't have tan metal on it. Um, it's got gold metal on it. And it's an ugly uh, belt. Ugly belt. I just don't think it's necessary. They have. All three of these companies, man. Fuck it. The three biggest companies have way too many titles. Just kind of just ridiculous. But anyways, so we have this match set up. John's the old champ for the U.S. belt. Uh, Will have the U.K. belt, or has the U.K. belt, I should say, but it's now going to be the global title. And David destroyed the old ones, so that's why they have this thing going on. This match was funny because they set it up and they showed on the uh, previews of this uh, David Finley, I don't know if he's trying to like, it seems like with this heel persona, he's kind of, he's studied his dad a bit because he's just, I don't give a fuck, you know, f- I'll fight you sort of thing and talking shit. Even if he gets his ass kicked, which inevitably happened when he was talking shit to both Osprey and Moxley, and they just torture him for a good portion of the smash and take him out so they can do crazy shit that should have killed each other. Um, while David Finley, and it was funny, it'd be like, David Finley's out. He he just took a bump. He's dead. And then they fight and beat the shit out of each other at the point of of death. And then David would come back, interrupt the pin for a while, and then something similar would happen. Uh, you know, shouldn't have pissed them both off, I guess. But good match. Um, you know, I kind of figured it was going to go this way, but this was ruined right before I was about to watch this match. And um. You know, good departure for Wallspray and John Moxley. I'm sure they're going to be back, obviously, to do some more stuff, but they're both AEW guys. It's weird that Will Ospreay is an AEW guy, but that's the truth. And David Finley kind of needed this. And eh, we'll talk about the aftermath after. But um, what do you think about this match, Chris? I mean, I think they should have made him the devil in AEW. Because <laughs> I think that would have been a very fun Bullet Club storyline. Um no, I, th- I think it was a very good match. Will Ospreay and uh, Moxley was kind of just there for most of it. 
Dude, he uh, but he did lot. have he did have he did bleed a lot and he had sick entrance gear. So Oh, the Redwood Shield mask was fucking awesome. I thought that was yeah, cool. The, the, the whole Red Hood gimmick was cool as fuck. Moxley out here taking all the Japanese women home with them with that entrance gear. Uh but <laughs> they don't want to have that hockey fight with Renee, so uh No. No, in, in, yeah. In any case, his gear was cool as fuck. He was there, but he was there to be the Jericho in those kind of matches where he just falls down a lot. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was David Finley, right? Like that was uh, the whole story. But also, Finley's contract is up in like a couple months. That's why I thought he might do. I thought they might work out something where he would do the kingdom thing and and i had reasoning to my madness of why he would be the leader of the devil and the bullet club collision like i thought tony khan would be smart but apparently not it's just that cool so i was wrong but hey david finley is your champion it'll be fun let me ask you super juniors and g1 and everything after that let me ask you for the gaijin leaders of the bullet club David's had some hard fucking people to follow. I just want to, you know, you're more, you seem a little more uh, engrossed in the product itself um, than even me. But has David gotten to the same level at all for his era, at least? Because everyone's era is different than your Finn, your AJ, your Kenny, or your Jay. I don't think any of them have hit. It's it's the Kenny Omega level, right? Like, but I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. Um, the Kenny Omega level hit because they were all guy jeans. Everyone in that group, and they all had titles, and they were all a huge deal on the show. Versus where you have like Finn, you had kind of a mixture. Um, AJ, you kind of had a little bit of a mixture. Like there were like a more of an annoying attacking group, but like when Kenny and the Bucks were there, they were like the top group, and they're like, man, they're selling the fuck out of merch. Uh, David Finley is kind of an afterthought. J- like Switchblade was the best heel in the business at that time when he left, so it's kind of a weird spot for Bullet Club in general, and. I mean, the best thing to do would be to kill the Bullet Club, <laughs> kill him off, and bring back one guy. Have him rise from the ashes and rebuild that group. Because they're never going to completely kill it off. It's like Sony with Spider-Man. Like, we're no. never going to completely stop doing Spider-Man. Because we own the rights to it. It's NWO. <laughs> it's... It's NWO at this point, man. You've got different <laughs> styles of the Bullet Club. You got Impact is calling themselves Bullet Club something. Then you got Bullet Club Gold in in, in uh, AEW, and there's just the club's still the club technically in WWE. It's you know, I think yeah, it's I kind mean, of the, the best version of Bullet Club right now is an Impact is Ace Austin and Chris Beck because they're fucking great. <laughs> By the way, you guys should join their group, everyone. Yeah, that's no um, shit. But it's just weird. Yeah, it it it's it's weird. But the Bullet Club has been going on since like what ninety seven at this point. 
so I mean it's ran its course, but they just keep it going because it sells shirts, it sells merch, and stuff. And David Finley is a good group leader for what it currently is, but it's. Yeah. Uh, I hope a good New run. Japan. Like they were the closest to the new 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 World Order, you know, and they did a fucking fantastic job. I just think that maybe it's time to peter out of that concept. Or but bring some OGs back. Like, yeah. So, so if AJ Styles like decides not to re-sign with anywhere in, in America, and he's like, what if I come back for one more run? Then yep. I'd be there for that, right? Like, at this point, it's like, or if Nakamura is done, he's like, what if, what if I come back and I'm the leader of the Bullet Club? Now, one thing they did introduce on this pay-per-view, which we're about to talk about, uh, which is Nimeth, Mr. Dolph Ziggler himself, taking over the Bullet Club might give that a spark. Yeah. So it's an idea. Uh, well, but yeah, da- and and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with David. I think David Finley's fine. I think he is a good leader of what that group is. I think the Tanahashi is going to start weeding a lot of that stuff out. I think the group versus group versus group stuff. You can kind of already start seeing the end of it, especially with people like Tamatanga leaving. Um. Naito winning the title, where he's also kind of feuding with his own group at the same time. I think they realize that there's an expiration date on on this, and that's been a problem in Japan for for a long time. We've been talking about it for what six years of like how long can you do this thing? And AEW did it for so long uh, for no reason as well. And. Uh, and people are going to get really mad at me about this, Dane. WWE's kind of shown, like, you have two groups, you make everybody else fight them, <laughs> right? You don't have six groups that fight each other. You have two groups, they piss everybody off, and eventually they beat those groups, which right now is Undisputed Error and The Bloodline. Yep, absolutely. And that's honestly all you need, really. But anyways, let's keep on going. We got two matches, and both of these were bangers, man. Banger after banger after banger. Um, Kazushi Okada, Brian Danielson, they had a great match. We talked about it at um, – which one do they call that? Oh, man, I, I feel bad. The AEW New Japan event. Forbidden Door. Forbid, Yeah, Forbidden Door. Uh, excellent match. Brian Danielson messed up his arm. Well, he previously had it messed up, kept on wrestling, got really messed up in the match with Okada. Uh, so he was doing it basically with one arm towards the end. Ended up tapping out Kazuchika Okada. So now, as was presented by the commentary, we're in Okada's turf in New Japan. Brian Danielson and him. <sighs> There's a reason why I wanted to see these two guys lock up. I think they're two of the greatest of all time. Uh, Brian Danielson, it's like since he can't do what he used to do, he's putting even more effort to do as high as he can, which is scary at times. Uh, but, I mean, some of the reversals back and forth between these guys, 
both their selling techniques, especially Okada, it's just like it's masterful. And this match was better than the first one. I think that's not fair because of the first one was so good with all of its issues, and it made you wanting more. And I think we are going to get that eventually um, for the rubber match. And Kazuchika Okada beat the American Dragon Brian Danielson, and you know it's kind of like. I don't know. It's kind of like Anoki and, and Terry Funk or some shit. Like just two god level wrestlers for their era over in Japan, having an amazing match, improving their two of the best. And yeah, that's what we got. It's it's Danielson showing that he still got it, right? <laughs> he still he still got it. Um, incredible fucking match. This is what I expected out of the first match. It's why I didn't put it in my top 10 last year uh when we did the go listen to our last show i did our top 10 matches the reason it didn't make it versus his match with ricky starks which i thought was amazing you know brian got hurt early it was a weird match the first match it was a good match it was a great wrestling match uh but it didn't make my top 10 uh this match it's gonna be hard to knock off number one let's see what happens at wrestlemania let's see what happens is this is this Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega 1? Like, right off the bat at Wrestle Kingdom might be the best match. Let's get to the end of it. But what ended up yeah. being our favorite match? Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. So. It, was, it, was, it was so fucking great. Um, there is one spot in this match where Okada hits the pitch-perfect dropkick, the Rainmaker dropkick, only that Okada can hit directly into Brian Danielson's eye and he comes down on his arm and he starts selling the fucking arm. He's like, my goddamn arm is broken <laughs> and he's selling it and he's selling it, but he's still Okada. And he gets up in the middle of the ring and he goes to hit the rainmaker pose and he hits it for a second. The camera zooms out and the arm falls. He's like, I can't hold it up. It's so broken. And you're like fucking Okada. You're the goddamn best dude. <laughs> Yep. And he, he's sold that fucking arm the entire rest of the match. And he gets locked into the little bell lock and he's he's rolling around, he's rolling around, and he finally escapes. And he gets thrown in the corner. And Daniel Bryan goes full wrestling entertainer with the yes chance. He's throwing the yes chance up there. And the the crowd is going insane in the Tokyo Dome. They're losing their shit. They're like, this is this is Brian Daniels. This is WWE. He's he's doing the yes shit. He goes through that rocket knee, kind of moves out of the way. <laughs> he gets tossed in the corner again. Brian Danielson throwing the yes up there. The crowd's getting behind him. They're so pumped. He goes through it again. Kata moves out of the way. <laughs> Gets locked in the label lock. He rolls around with it. He picks him up. Rainmaker pins his ass. And that's what Brian Danielson gets for not taking it to the mat. <laughs> he tried to be a sports entertainer. That's the storyline. Okada beat him as a wrestler. They bow to each other, which is fucking incredible. Great match. Fucking, I don't know what Dave Meltzer's skill is, but like 7,000 stars. Phenomenal best shit on the card. Absolutely. Okada is the best. Uh, he hit a, draw, a blind drop kick when, like, Brian was going for one of those rocket knees that looked incredible. Okada's still the fucking best. 
He's still the best. In the Tokyo Dome, Okada is the fucking Michael Jordan of wrestling. There's there's no one that can fucking touch it. He is the Shawn Michaels of Wrestle Kingdom. He is Mr. Mr. Wrestle Kingdom. And like I bet send me whatever footage you want of Wrestle Kingdom. Anyone out there, Okada's the fucking best. He's the goddamn best. <laughs> and now I feel really bad about putting him at six on my list on the last fucking conversation we had because then he came out and I'm like, that's a fucking one right there, dude. That's amazing. God damn it, dude. God is so fucking good. Brian Danielson, so fucking that's two on my list. I was like, if they'd have had this match like six days before we did that podcast, I'm like one and two <laughs> easily. Yeah. Jesus. It's fucking great. Phenomenal. Two of my favorite fucking wrestlers and beautiful match on the biggest stage that you could have in wrestle at wrestle kingdom tokyo dome incredible not to sound like dave Meltzer here but there was something special about that crowd getting into the wwe brian danielson yes 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 only to have it shut down by the rainmaker <laughs> shut the fuck down it was Dude, one of my one of my favorite spots it's because these guys are smart. They're going to be studying tape. So they were kind of, and they've already been in the ring. So Okada goes to do his spot where he fucking takes out Brian Danielson, throws him over outside into the audience. And what he usually does, he goes to the other side and then runs and does the most amazing crossbody and fucking floats to the air and just annihilates the person. Well, Okada goes to do that. He gets a little bit distracted by the audience and when he runs, Brian Danielson's already there. Boom! With the fucking uh, bazooka knee right in the face. It, they just... I thought they would have incredible chemistry. They do. And their third match is going to be probably out of this world, I'd assume. Danielson was trying to kill this man with these kicks. He looked at the audience. He stared around. He had both arms. And he just started stomping and stomping and stomping. And when Okada rolled through and arm dragged him into the fucking Rainmaker, I was like, Jesus Christ, yes. So good. So good. I've been waiting so long to talk about this match. So fucking good. I will also say, though, for Christ's sake, Brian Danielson, let your eye heal up. My God, it was it there before it even got started messing up when he first took the thing off. It had a hematoma still from it being so swelled up. So it's like, I just don't want this motherfucker to lose his eye in the name of pro wrestling. And they sold it so great, though. And they both and they barely touched each other. That this was the match we wanted from the first one, right? Yes, like Okada hit that perfect drop kick where he kicked Brian in the eye. He didn't touch it. He landed on his arm. He sold his fucking arm. He laid in the middle of the ring. <laughs> and he looked like he broke his arm. Because that was the promo Brian Danielson had going in. It's like, I'm going to break his fucking arm. He won't be able to rainmaker me if I break his arm. <laughs> and I mean, then when he, went to hit, <laughs> when he went to hit the pose, and he hit it for a second, and the arm dropped, I was like, man, dude, oh God, is the best. <laughs> He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> and it Brian was. Danielson is the American best. 
I think you said Goku versus Superman. That's a good, it's a good way to put how good those fucking guys are. Yep, and they had an incredible match. I think it was better than the main event, but I thought the main event itself was also pretty amazing. Actually, now that I just remembered, because we kind of hinted around it, I forgot to actually go into it. Like you mentioned, after the match with David Finley winning the global championship over Will Ospreay and John Moxley, before earlier in the night, and it was during one of the tag matches, we see randomly Nick Nemeth looking like Ric Flair circa 89 with his hair. It's fucking awesome. Uh, and his brother Ryan Nemeth, show up and take two front row seats in the audience. And the audience was like, what? Like all getting fucking like, you know, they didn't know what was going on. And then obviously the camera was on his face and the whole place popped the way Japan pops, obviously more, you know, not loud and obnoxious like us Americans. Um, But after the match, yeah, David Finley kind of came up to him and was like, just talking shit, and he's like, whoa, like, I know your father, blah, 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 and then back and forth, and then David took, I think, a swing at him, missed, but, you know, almost knocked uh, Ziggler on his ass, and then he jumped on top, and they started, like, fighting, basically, and it got broken up, but uh, interesting. Is is it just me, or is does it seem like Nick Nemeth the former Dolph Ziggler might be also doing a very similar Matt Cardona thing, maybe participating in Japan, but not trying to settle down necessarily and kind of jump around and do some stuff. Um, And Hey, I like singles matches. And also apparently he wants to do tag with his brother. Um, That's fine with me as well. So I, I'm glad to see Dolph Ziggler popping up somewhere else in especially high profile situation like this. Him and David Finley will probably have a great match. But obviously, there's other guys on that uh, roster. We just talked about one of them that I'd love to see mix it up with Nick Nemeth other than David Finley. I think Nick Nemeth would be a great guy to push through the G1 for a title shot. Oh, wow. You would be awesome in it. I really do. Um, It'll be a different style of wrestling. Because we've never seen him outside of OVW and uh, WWE for him. But he's such a big name and, and is well-respected and is great great at selling. Uh, to see him kind of ground some of that stuff and have like a huge G1 run. Especially if he gets involved with a Bullet Club. Because what, what I'm expecting is he's going to challenge for leadership at the Bullet Club. and. You know, sucks to be David Finley, but he's a bigger star than you, so that sucks. But uh, as as a guy gene talent running through the G1, that might be a guy to look out for. So that would be what I would do with him. Now, what Tanahashi wants to do with him, who knows? <laughs> it's a it's a whole different era of New Japan over there. Tanahashi, Gato, and Okada out here booking all the matches going forward, so... We will we will see, but uh I'm I'm excited to see Mr. Dolph Ziggler himself, uh Nick Nemeth by by his lonesome on an island indie wrestling 
we'll call it indie wrestling. It's not indie wrestling, but this is the first time he's outside of a WWE product. Because, like, as far as I know, he wrestled in OVW and then WWE his entire career. So what can he what can he do? What is yeah, it? Let's... What does it look like? He's not going to be able to do like his. He's not going to be able to just. I'm going to copy a bunch of Shawn Michaels spots in a WWE match. Like, what does his selling look like? What does the match look like? He's obviously bigger than a lot of the people in New Japan. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, and I'm just thinking of it, man. Like, you you take Dolph, uh, fucking Nick Nemeth versus Tetsuya Naito. Hell yeah, give me that. Um, him versus Okada. These are big ones, obviously. But I'm just saying, like the 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 him and him and Shingo would be an interesting mix up. Um, there's a lot of wrestlers in New Japan, and like I said, I don't think he's gonna be exclusive with New Japan. I don't think he's signing a contract, but him and Tanahashi. Even though I know Tana can do less and less, the years go on. He's getting older. Uh, still, it's very appealing. The two. Two guys from pretty much very similar generation that were both influenced heavily by Shawn Michaels in different parts of the globe, uh, you know, and it just seems like Nick, God, this this version of Nick Nemeth, the way that he came out, the presence, I'm like, see, I would want Flair with him in AEW, you know, as his fucking uh, manager kind of doing a Bobby Heenan, Kurt Henning style team with each other, and I think... They did it, though. But they did it, though. And he fucking sucked. What, in in WWE? They did that in WWE, and it sucked. They did that with The Miz, and it sucked. And it's mostly because of Ric Flair. Because Ric Flair cannot not be Ric Flair. Yeah, it also might have a lot to do with the WWE creative team itself, though. You know? No, I mean, it's, it's just, if you give them both a mic... Ric Flair is going to be the bigger star. It's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Like it's it's impossible. The only way that works, and the only the only time it ever really worked was in NXT when you had a heel talking about Charlotte's brother, and Ric was there as a sympathetic manager for her winning the title. That's the only time it's ever worked. Other other times that Ric Flair has worked as a manager is him being a heel. Which was an evolution, I, and I've talked about this on 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 multiple shows. Our show and Tom's Tom's show as well. Ric Flair isn't a manager; he's just too big. He's he's an entity. It'd be like if Michael Jordan decided to like manage LeBron James. It's like it, it won't work because you're always going to be like, yeah, but like Michael Jordan's so much cooler than you. I just want to hear him talk. Ric Flair is kind of in that weird spot. Right. Like he would like Rick for, for that to work, he would have to pick someone from the ground up. That's why I thought it would work with Andrade because like Andrade would be like kind of low in the, the American culture of like, Oh, let's build this guy up. Uh, he doesn't really speak English. So it makes sense for Rick talking to like talking for him, but like Ric Flair with anyone like Dolph Ziggler or the Miz or, uh, they did it in impact. They did it with AJ as well. It doesn't matter how good the wrestler is. You can't get that over because they're going to be like, Oh, it's Ric Flair. Let's pay attention to Ric Flair. And then Ric Flair is also just always going to try to get his self over. So he just always cr- 
crashes. Like, whatever they're trying to do with that storyline. And every storyline is like, I'm going to teach them how to use the figure four. Which is why Miz tries to do the figure four. Dolph tried to do the figure four. Like, to this day, AJ tries to do the figure four. It's uh, it's always bad. Well, won't be able to see unless it actually happens. So, um, anyways, let's move on to the main event. Tetsuya Naito going against Sonata, the IWGP heavyweight champion. Uh, wow, I think these guys had like 20 minutes, if not longer. Oh, 25 minutes. And I love it because it does have, I mean, a bit of your student versus teacher concept. Like Naito might not have taught Sonata, like trained him, but he definitely influenced him. He's been under his wing when he was a part of LIJ for a very long time. And Sonata, I think the concept was, because Naito took a beating at the beginning of this fucking match, that Sonata was here to prove that he's better than his old mentor. And I really, Chris, you know, Sonata's had a title for a while. Um, I think he's had a good title uh, run. I still think there's something missing with his character, but I think that he's figured it out the closest that he ever has within his career uh, with this new iteration as being champion. Um, but I thought he was going to win it. And, you know, I mean, this has been, what, the third time? But I just want to see Naito have this championship belt for a long period of time and have a good title run. And I think Tanahashi is going to give that to him. But once again... My God, did he get destroyed in this fucking match? He's also, look, I'm only saying this because he's an athlete. Just like I was saying earlier, I was worried about Adam Cole not being able to walk because he's going to be able to do less working out and he's already fairly skinny. Um, that looks like he's a, has he been drinking a lot of beers lately or something? He definitely had a little bit extra down. I'm not saying that he's, he's fat or anything like that, but I just hope he's taking care of himself is all I'm saying. Uh, because he would... Uh, you wouldn't be able to tell one way or another with him in the ring, but he works himself. I know he does. And I just, he's another one of those guys, some of the bumps that he's willing to take and how fast paced uh, he is, he's getting older. So, but I'm really fucking happy. I was, I was very excited that Naito won this match against Sonata. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future with him as champ. And hopefully Yokata doesn't have to win the title back in three months. He finally got it, man. He finally got the Russell Dome heavyweight championship moment. Like, that's a you deserved it moment right there in the Japanese crowd. But this chance, stupid. But he finally got it done. Um, Incredible match. Not as good as Okada versus Brian Danielson, but a very, very, very good match. Sonata is interesting um, for all the reasons that you put forth their uh, training, and he just wasn't the guy. They gave him the run. They gave him the run. It always comes back to Naito, though, because Naito is, like, so super strangely over still, even after being injured for most of this uh, last year. Um. I think there's a weird respect after that G1. And both of his G1 matches made my top 10 list. So anyone out there listening, listen to to our wrap-up last week. It's out there to listen. Um, 
Yeah, you're right, though. It was mostly Naito getting his ass kicked and winning the match, which is what Naito does. He does best. He's he's great at selling. He's fucking phenomenal. Dragging the title belt off. Because he hates it. Great. He wants the old one back. He does not like this title, and he's going to probably <laughs> abuse it like he did the IC title. He does not give a single fuck, which is great. Naito is the best. Oh my god, please have him show up in AEW. Him be like, Roosh. <laughs> Let's talk about this real quick. <laughs> Naito is fucking phenomenal. He had a good match. It, I mean, this was obviously going to be overshadowed by Brian Danielson and Okada. Because they, they've been talking for months. They're like this... Brian's like, I can't really see good. Okada's like, don't worry, I'll only throw it on the side you can see out of. <laughs> I guess. I don't I don't know what I mean, but the, those are two of the best wrestlers of all time. So like he knew this match was not gonna be as good. But Naito's like, you know what? Drop me on my fucking neck. <laughs> Let's go. Oh. <laughs> I have to say, we were just talking about him, and I kind of mentioned this briefly, but like I know what they're doing, and I think David being involved with Nick Nemeth is a good match for David because obviously they want to highlight him with this new title and the new leader of the Bullet Club or whatever, whether or not me and you think it's not working. That's what they're doing so far. Um, But, man, him sitting in the audience with his brother, Naito wins, and then Nick gets up, gets in the ring, and you have two of the most Let's face it, smug motherfuckers in the world. You know, Naito with his little smile, half smile, like, fuck you on his face. Dolph with his. And then Naito just spits it at him, and then they fucking start fighting, and that sets up something. They need to do that down the road if Nick sticks around. Yeah, Naito the king of spit motherfuckers, that's for sure. <laughs> Dude, Naito has good aim on his spit. Do you think Naito... Sets at home and just I think he practices. Loogies. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen him hit like Kenny Omega dead square in the eye <laughs> with one of those. Um, great moment. If you're a Naito fan, this is, is a very cool moment. This was not, it was the second best match of the night. But I mean, it's a Krata and Brian Danielson. So it's, it's you know. This was, this was the biggest moment, though. It sucks for Sonata because he's going to get dropped down to the mid card now for a while. Uh, yeah. And I, I and I think Sonata had a good run with the belt, but New Japan is in a weird transition period. Um, I mean, they went with Naito. Naito is still one of, like, he's probably the most over person in Japan. Like, as a wrestler, he just is. It's a cool gimmick. He's a cool character. He puts on really good matches. He's, I mean, I'm not Japanese, obviously, but if someone can point out someone that's more over than, like, Naito, then, you know, give me, give me the shout. Because, like, to me, like, when I look at, like, the reviews of matches and, like, the crowd participation and I watch these shows, it's Naito, Osprey, Okada. And Tanahashi, those are the four biggest. And Naito has been the biggest, and he's 
he finally got his big moment. He finally got his what we call in America the WrestleMania moment. We're just getting the fucking belt, right? Like at WrestleMania. So that was super cool, especially knowing how fucking good those Naito matches were at the G1 to get there. Uh, two, two of which, <laughs> two of which, Dane, <laughs> made my end of the year wrap up. You got to go listen to. Uh, great, great fucking match. I don't know what you do with Sonata. Like, I mean, you get re- they're going to rebuild him through the G1, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking that myself. I don't, I don't know. That's a that's a very uh, good question. I mean, he's does he still have his group? Does he have a group of people or like the nine dudes or whatever the fuck? I forgot what they were called. I, I mean, I don't know for sure. Uh, Here's the but idea. also, if you're if you're Naito, are you like fuck Brian Danielson <laughs> trying to steal my spotlight? He thinks he shows up. At the, he's like, I'll fight Brian Danielson because that's the match I want to see. <laughs> you know, Naito's not taking care of Brian Danielson. He's like, I'll drop you on your fucking neck. Train no, your neck, bro. I'm kidding. I'm just but. thinking, like, he's always kind of just. <sighs> he, he's never kind of been as flashy. I just feel like. Maybe he doesn't want to do this because he did in TNA, and it was probably like, I would love to get out of my mentor's shadow. But at the same time, you've now won the title. You've been in New Japan for a very long time. You're still considered a – if it changes scenery, just go back to the Great Sonata, you know, and, and, and try to reinvigorate that concept. Um, because, like you said, me and you agree – for the the Undertaker esque concept doesn't work over there as well as over here or, or Mexico or Mil Mortez or but the Muta presence obviously because of like the evil samurai demon guy that always gets over and you don't have to have a lot of character for that you just have to look intimidating and I don't know it would just be an idea I guess <laughs> yeah I mean with. With Naito's group, it was more like a criminal underground for me. So not necessarily Yakuza, but like when you tie it into Mexico, you, maybe you're moving way between Mexico and Japan kind of thing. Uh, and Naito dressed as Scarface always. <laughs> He's basically Tony Montana, but Japanese. I don't know. Naito is a weird cat. <laughs> he just wants trade title belts for chips, dude. He just wants honey <laughs> barbecue chips. I love Naito. He he is a uh, he is a character that should have been brought to America a long time ago. Maybe even over Nakamura. I know Nakamura is the king of strong style, and he's great, and people loved him seventeen years ago. Oh, but if yeah, you honestly. It, if you get to pick around the same time between Shinsuke staying in Japan and Naito going to WWE instead, I think that would have worked out better for both of them, honestly. Yeah. I think Naito would come across better to WWE audience. And Naito... Shinsuke, like Shinsuke Nakamura in the ring because he can't do strong style, even though he's the king of strong style. So He's, he's old. 
you know. Yeah, he's also getting really old. <laughs> you you know you know who could do the King of Strong style? Sammy Zay. <laughs> he's like, all right, drag your old knee, <laughs> drag your old ass over here. Hit me in the back of the head, bro. Still one of the best matches. <laughs> Sami Zayn dragged that match out of him. <laughs> Fucker. Sami Zayn cost WWE so much money on that Nakamura contract. <laughs> he drugged that man through a good match. Sorry, Nakamura. <laughs> I love you, but... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, it was... All- it was also Brian Danielson that wanted him to be over there, and then unfortunately, by the time he got over there, he was retired at the time. So that's another one that we'll never probably see happening. But they both got taught at the dojo at the same time, and were roommates. God, is, is has Brian Danielson like trained in every goddamn thing he could possibly train? He goes over to the UK, trains with fucking Regal. He goes to Japan, trains in the dojo. He went to fucking got everything from Ring of Honor. Went to Sean's school. Like, like how? How does he even have time for all this? You need to hear him talk about Sean's school, by the way. <laughs> you still brought great. that up. I don't. I don't. I don't know anything about it. So. <laughs> he didn't really shit on Sean. He was just like Sean's like it's a bad bump. <laughs> he's like looks at him. He's he doesn't give me teaching. He's like oh like shit. <laughs> Try it again. He's just a very off-hands teacher <laughs> kind of thing. It's just, it's just funny. Um, it's probably before he found God. Um, no, I mean, I think he had God at that point. It was like 2006. Did he have God by 2006? I'm not Did we sure. have God by 2000? I mean, that's when Fallout Boy came out. So, God. <laughs> there you go. Well. All I know is that we're happy that Naito won his match, and we had a pretty damn good Wrestle Kingdom, and also we had a pretty damn good uh, show for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed us covering Wrestle Kingdom and AEW and WWE, just everything. A lot of good wrestling coming up. Big old uh, pay-per-view for Impact's coming, and then at the end of this month is the Mighty Mighty Royal Rumble, so we'll definitely be back to talk about stuff like that, but uh, Chris... Say goodbye to all the lovely people and plug and say whatever you want to say before we get out of here. Goodbye to all you lovely people out there. If you want to hit me at X, it's chris.r.padden. Um, same, well, no, on Instagram and Facebook, it's christopher.r.padden. Uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. You can you can get at me. You guys have the whole list of my uh, favorite wrestlers of last year. Number one. It's a big controversial uh, statement, apparently, of Roman Reigns. So you guys can yell at me about that. Uh, Dean, I have one more question before we get out. Okay, what's that? What, what's next for Naito? Uh, oh. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, who deserves a title shot. Like, I, don't, I just haven't kept up with the storyline. Of uh, New Japan as of lately. I guess having a rematch with Sonata, allowing David Finley to have a match with Dolph, and then do Dolph and Naito, that's what I would do. Dolph and Naito. If Naito carries the belt into August's Forbidden Door, who do you choose in AEW to go against Naito? 
If he is still signed, because I've been wanting this for a while, I want Naito and MJF. I think just the two of them interacting is gold. So <laughs> I kind of just want them as the Adam Cole MJF tag team. <laughs> but with no like translation. Yeah, it, it would it would be no. very interesting. Could you imagine MJF and Naito walking into a store together and they just both have belts and they, MJF's trying to teach him how to pay for things? That would oh, be I fucking love Naito. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We do the show, like I said, right before some of the big events so you guys can listen. Usually we record on Saturdays, get it out by Monday so you guys can listen before the next week. So. Hope you had a good time. You can find us on any downloadable platform. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on either Google or any of your major downloadable platforms like iTunes, uh, like Spotify, and whatnot. And listen to us. Subscribe, like. We appreciate it. And uh, whenever you do listen to this, you guys are enjoying yourselves. You have a wonderful day and or night. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out.